0: Geek shock. Deke shock.
1: So way, right? I didn't. I didn't see what if yet. So Neither but did I'm, I. I'm already seeing Because spo- I Biggs
2: thought posted something. I that pissed you off. I
1: saw the last episode last week. No. So.
2: Remember we talked about it last week, that there was one more episode.
1: See, my brain processed, we were done. Mm -mm. And so, I fucking, I'm just like, oh, wait a minute, I checked for an end credit scene, goddammit, I checked. So, I'm like going through the thing to read, so what was the end credit scene? And it's just starting to, and I'm like, I don't remember that, I don't remember that, I don't remember, ah, fuck. (laughs) Well, but you have to think of
3: it in the terms that, the whole season led up to the yes. Avengers being assembled, Kirsten. Right, right. Yes. Thank the, you, The what-if Avengers. Hey, yes, stop. I read that part. Stop. Yes. <laughs> you got to stop. Yeah, we it's don't... in the trailer, so I mean, what do you want we do?
2: I haven't seen the trailer.
4: <laughs> so now you're pissed at Biggs and Jeff. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm always pissed at Jeff. I'm used <laughs> to women <laughs> well, being yeah.
3: pissed off at me. There you go. <laughs> I'm never yeah, pissed at Yeah, but what about Canadians? Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, Jeff,
1: it takes a special personality to piss off Canadians. Not this one. Yeah, <laughs> <15% but laughs> Remember yeah. 50% Floridian. Yeah. 50% Floridian,
3: okay?
2: He's been in the U.S. too long.
3: <laughs> Matt, Matt is the ever-angry Canadian. That's, That's right. right.
2: He's red. I mean, he's that, there's red, red be, hair and <laughs> that be red new face name. and angry.
3: The no. angry Canadian. Not, not Maple Leaf Matt. Angry, the angry Canadian. No.
1: You know sure. what we can do? do uh, uh, hey, put tattoo bio, a I'm white, white do. maple leaf on his face. <laughs> <laughs> right, and he's like, gets all tribal and shit. You know, socialism, eh? You're not doing socialism. I'm kicking your ass.
4: It's just, smart, it's just part of us, a, a larger name. It's Maple Leaf <laughs> Matt colon. The angry Canadian No just Colin Just oh, Colin Just Colin <laughs> Just Colin. So he's gonna like be a symbol I
2: don't like where this is going
5: now Because they're gonna run with it They always do <laughs> And he sits there
1: And he slaps you well, With
5: his a
3: good beaver you, tail It's a good thing You don't pay attention To the shock monkey's lair Then That is it? true <laughs> but, not, but now I
5: gotta start After this
1: episode I gotta start
2: <laughs> got You to, get tagged and stuff All the time yeah. know. You do know. You've
1: got us. fans Do I really You know yeah. How the hell could
2: they Somehow, Like this
3: well, All two of them Somehow
1: yeah, he has fans. That's right. Stay strong,
5: you guys. Both That's Toronto right. guys. That the, the one Australian who recognized your voice across the oceans. Loose. I'm thinking of you
3: guys, and
5: and he's yeah, doing the, the
2: double finger point, which is the polite Disney point. That's odd. Why are you doing that?
3: You mean the the airbrushed cigarette out of Walt's you fingers? <laughs> <laughs> is that what that was? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, uh, this is this is actually confirmed. A lot of the pictures you see of Walt pointing with two fingers—it's because
2: he's smoking a cigarette. He
3: was smoking a cigarette, and so Disney PR would typically airbrush out the cigarette. So the story of the you know the two finger pointing as an homage to to Walt, and it's also supposed to be more polite, is only half true.
2: Well, I mean, it, the polite thing yes. is, is true, but. I mean cuz
3: we learned it you know with with multiple cultures we're supposed to use the open hand, hand point yeah. right. the flat right. hand point towards where you're pointing and never point with an index or two fingers like about the middle finger point. like well definitely not with the middle finger. <laughs> oh okay. That explains and, a lot. And then ne- or and like then this, definitely not I
2: think this means something really bad too in certain cultures. Yes. Really that? That's yeah. that's
3: ASL for I love you. I, I, well,
2: American sign language.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. It's also um, that's know, uh, Metallica.
5: One? Like no, that's on, rock that's
3: concert. The
2: thumb this.
5: in, oh, yeah,
3: thumb yeah. out yeah. is "I love you." Thumb in is which is is the, oh, the is devil horns. One. Is it this one? Because yeah, 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 I think it that's the might the be
5: that one. one. That's the
1: shocker, Deb. The devil you horns. Just did the, the shocker. The Malloy. It's called the She just said the shocker. You saw that, right? Also, a a ward against the evil eye. Yes,
3: it's it's if it's if it's fingers up. You're protecting yourself against evil. If, if you're pointing the fingers towards somebody, you're trying to cast evil upon them.
1: Oh. You're
2: cursing them. Yes. Oh.
1: <laughs>
2: Todd
3: and I had a oh. Meloik fight one time. It was pretty it was pretty epic. Wow. Yeah.
4: No one won.
1: No one won. I I don't know. I looking around, I think both of you lost. <laughs> Most likely, sir.
4: <laughs> well, welcome folks to Geek Shock number six hundred and eight. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Cursed K. <laughs> Angry Matt. And Deb. And we're here to talk weak and geek. Uh, you wanted the best, you got the best. Okay. What am I doing here?
1: Yeah, <laughs> really? What the
2: fuck? Good question. Just kidding. I'm wow. Kidding. I'm kidding.
5: Wow. All right. Just going to put this mic down. <laughs> I'm no oh, way, kidding. you're not. my drive. Yes, I'm your ride. Right. Yeah. I'm stuck yeah. here for the whole show.
1: Plus, <laughs> you put that mic down, it'll hum, so you need to stay and hold it. Oh, okay, all right. It's, you're just like a rash, Matt. You just keep
3: coming back. We think we get rid of you and then you just somehow just keep reappearing.
1: That hurt, Jeff.
3: That
4: really, really hurt. <laughs> a lot of changes this week in the world nope. of Geek Shock. Lots of them, and uh, a an, full an, year in the making. Unfortunately, we have Barry to thank for a lot of this because he's been really hard at work to make this happen. Uh, the vestiges of the Ugly Couch Show, the 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 remnants, the crumbs uh, are gone. Nope. Uh, Ugly Couch Show is not attached to the show anymore uh everything has been geek shock so our new email is comments at geekshockpodcast.com our new website is geekshockpodcast.com and our new twitter feed is geekshockpod at geekshockpod is the new twitter feed Uh, i'll have already sent this out to the twitter followers by the time you hear this most important we have set up a patreon of sorts not a Patreon. We decided not to go with that company because they take a big chunk of money uh, whenever they, you go through them.
3: Yeah, we're, so not, we're not big enough to have that much taken out
4: of our ass every month. Finally put. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so instead we have gone with Kofi. That's K-O-F-I. Yep. And that has membership tiers. like pa- It works like Patreon except they don't take as big of a cut. Yeah. So you wanted to be a patron for us, Kofi is where it's at. It's official, it's up, it's running, it has multiple award tiers, just like Patreon does. So the as a $5 tier, $10 tier, $20 tier, and then there's some more premium tiers beyond that. And so all the information is at ko-fi slash GeekShock. Or you
3: can also access it directly through the donate button on our brand new webpage.
4: And that's another thing that's great with Kofi is that you, if you don't want to sign up for a membership and you just wanted to contribute like a one-time contribution, yep, you can do that easily there as well. So it, we appreciate everybody who's been championing this over the years. I know you've you've been pushing us to do this, and we really appreciate it. It's happened. It's here. Uh, and, and hopefully this will also add some uh, great changes to the show as far as like new equipment and just improving the show and expanding it. Yeah, I so,
3: got to give Barry a lot of credit because he took what ideas I pitched to him when we started this process and he ran with it. I mean, he, he went balls to the wall on this thing,
1: literally. Just Yeah. He's been um, very bored sitting by himself. Yes, and, and, and in fact, uh, please, uh, nobody hire Barry for anything because while he's unemployed in another year, we should be bigger than fat man beyond. So. But yeah, he, he, he and I, I mean, mostly him, but
3: he and I have been working on this for several months. I mean, this is not something that, you know, we just threw together at the last minute. This is, this has literally been almost a year in the, in the works. Uh, so we appreciate your patience. We appreciate, the fact that you've stuck with us with, through all this because it wasn't a matter of us just, you know, procrastinating. This literally took a lot longer to get everything together than we thought it would. So,
4: so just a few things that you get if you do want to become a member at the five dollar membership. That's where we're going to put our spoiler talks for all the movies that we do. So that's going to be part of our membership. That's going to get you access to Geekcraft Minecraft. Java server, once 1.18 drops, also gets you access to our Discord, so you can interact with us directly there. A listing on a Shock Monkey page, behind-the-scenes content, stuff like that, that's all going to be at the basic one tier, which is called the Banana Pudding tier, by the way. Uh, guess who named these? Barry definitely yeah. yes. named these. Yes, he did. Because ten dollar tier, that's the foot-long chili dog tier, uh, that gets you a Cameo-style custom message from us. So on top of that, you're entered in our Sticker of the Month Club, which will be based on stuff that happens on the show. So not T-shirts, but gosh darn it, you're going to get stickers if you're part of that group. On the $20 per month tier, you get a Custom Shock Monkey Velcro patch, as well as entered in a monthly drawing for a painted miniature from me. So I am painting miniatures specifically for this tier, and you're entered in a drawing every month to win that painted miniature. They're all Imperial minis. Uh, They're
2: whatever miniatures Todd feels like painting that much. Yeah,
4: I know. I will. I'll tell you right now. The very first one I've already chosen it. It's a wizard, and it's a larger than average miniature, so it's going to be a really, really nice miniature. So and highly detailed. So already starting out big. Uh, there is more tiers. Uh, there's going to be
0: <laughs>
4: there's the tier four fireball whiskey tier. Uh, that's the uh, yeah. Fi- that's the fifty dollar tier. Now that allows you to sponsor a show at least once a month. And also get you a monthly board game arena session with some of us that have access to board game arena. And since I'm a premium member, I have access to all the games on there. So if I'm playing with you, you have the whole grouping of board game arena games. And you also get custom artwork from Pack Check Andy, plus everything from the previous tiers. There's also a hundred dollar tier. And what that gets you is a Dungeons and Dragons game. There's only six places in this, so only six people can join this tier per month. But it gets you a Dungeons & Dragons game that's going to be run by either Commander K or Dr. Vlarg, and with some of the shock monkeys as well. So you'll be joining us on a Dungeons & Dragons adventure. I, I want to go back for a second. Did you say pack check Andy? Pack check Andy.
3: Because that is so appropriate right now. <laughs> he's just doing a lot of traveling. So. That's true. Or maybe it's bag check Andy. Because I think he just came
4: back. He's, he's, he was carnying. Yeah. Art carnying. He's like, is that a thing? Art yeah. carneying? He,
1: he didn't leave his dad's house, but he was, uh, he was caricaturing Okay. at the, so big, it was nearby. the big E.
4: Yeah. The biggie. And now he's going to another one next week in Raleigh. He's one Raleigh. of
3: the two things that Austin Powers is afraid of. Carney. Ah, uh, yes.
4: Oh. <laughs> so Circus folk. You wanted it. Smell you got like it. So if you want to join uh, Kofi, K-O- F-I slash GeekShock and you'll find all the information there or go to GeekShockPodcast.com. The donate button takes you right to that space. So thank you everybody who's championed this over the years. It's finally here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank what you're you. saying
5: is we moved to the big leagues.
4: We're moving to the big leagues. Moving we're, to, we're moving yes. on exactly. up. To the big leagues, yeah.
3: To the east side. We got relegated to the better league.
4: We finally got a piece of the pie.
3: To a deluxe apartment in the sky.
4: I moved ahead.
1: Wow.
3: Moving to the east side? Did you already say that one? I did. Shit. <laughs> you are two steps behind,
1: <laughs> sir. Well, Jeff moved to the east side like one or two years ago. Two years right. ago, yeah. Two years ago. Almost two and a half. East you're side. Far east. East side, yeah. Far east. You're you're
3: you're like southeast. You're like
1: Boonies. Yeah. You're BFE.
3: Yeah, you're in Utah, man. You're like I can see the strip from my house. Like the entire strip.
1: <laughs> for now. It actually is a kind of a neat view for It's a great view while it lasts.
4: While
2: it lasts. <laughs> yeah.
4: Before you view other houses. Yeah. So what geeky things did you do this week, Deb?
2: Um this week's been slow actually. Um didn't get to do a ton. One thing we haven't talked about, um, Matt's gotten me into watching The Last Kingdom. How he
1: doesn't do anything. He never watches (laughs) anything. He doesn't
2: remember things. Oh, yes. Um, So we're to season. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're to season three now. Um, I like it. It's a good show. It's been in my. It's one of those shows that's been in my queue for a long time. Um, Never really had the time to watch it. Barry's not the biggest fan of historical, you know, drama series type shows, and I love them. So it's one of those that I have to add to my list of watching TV when I'm watching TV alone, which I don't get to do a lot of. And I have a ton of shows in that long list that I got to watch alone. So, so yeah, so it's been good. Um, I, I enjoy it a lot. It's a good show.
4: So what, what is The Last Kingdom about?
2: So and for any of you who have also seen Vikings, it kind of takes place in the same, in the same time period, except instead of being told from the Vikings side of it, it's being told from the the British side of it. So, um, you know, the Danes and the Saxons, the Saxons. So the Saxons being the, the English um, and the Danes being the Vikings essentially. So um, you have this, this boy who gets captured by the Danes when his uh, settlement gets, you know, taken over by them as a kid. And then he becomes a slave to them, but then he becomes a son to them. So he's raised as a Dane. Um, but he is a Saxon, born and raised, and he's a he's a, alderman. He's supposed to inherit yeah. a, a small little town kingdom, whatever they call it back then, because you know they all had separate kings and lords. Bebbanburrow. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it, it follows him, and he he starts to earn the name of Kingmaker. So he's a superb fighter, knows the Danes backwards and forwards. But he was raised a pagan, and so he's not trusted by, you know, Saxons because they all worship.
5: They see the long hair and the ponytails and the Thor's hammer and like, oh, look at this guy, <laughs> and the animal furs. But it's he's a, a Saxon, show. yeah. Yeah,
2: it's a good show. It's um, it keeps hippies. you.
5: Yeah.
2: It keeps you um, wanting to. Okay, one more. Ah. Yeah, one more. So.
5: Is it not because he's really good looking,
2: Deb? I mean, he's very good looking. He's extremely <laughs> good looking, um, and he's got the personality to go with the Ooh. good looks that you know some people tend to. Go to anyway. Um, <laughs> no, <we're here. laughs> but yeah, no. are fogging up. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. It's a good show. Anything else? Um, no, it's been a crazy week at work, and my allergies been driving me nuts. And sleep hasn't been that great, but it, it's been worse for Matt over there. Vegas, you know.
4: Vegas is weirdly intense on allergies.
2: Yeah, well, I'm getting used to it again. Um, the dust is not helping. I do work now out where I am around dust all the time, Oof. so um. It's doing a number this week for sure.
4: Yeah. About Oats Studio.
2: Hmm?
4: Oats Studio. That was something I was going to bring up too. So Matt, why don't you bring up Oats Studio?
2: Oh, that, he that, didn't do that's right. anything. We watched, no, we did. We watched two episodes the, of that.
4: Yeah, the first, and I don't
5: remember the second episode.
4: I watched the first two as well. Oh. So okay, fine. Deb, let's talk about Oats Studio. Did you Did you like it though? I, we, we talked about when Oat Studio started, when they announced it years ago. Uh, Oat Studio is Neil Blancamp's uh, film studio. They're releasing their very first movie this year called Demonic. But they've only done short movies up till now. Uh, it started as a YouTube channel. But this, these movies are, are, are kind of old. I think the first one's from 2017. Wow. Uh, yep. But it recently went to Netflix... Where people are discovering it for the first time. And that's a grouping of short stories, mostly by Neil Blomkamp, which are basically him trying out movie ideas.
2: Yeah, you can tell. Because it's like, they'll get to the precipice of something really happening and then they end. Yeah. And like so far, I mean, I like them, but I feel like they get you to the point where you want to watch more of the story and then it's done.
5: Yeah, like that first episode, I'm like, I want to see that movie with the lizard people or
4: whatever. Yeah. But yeah. That first one absolutely incredible. Sigourney, Sigourney, Weaver. Weaver. Yeah, Sigourney yeah, Weaver, Weaver, and effects wise, top notch.
2: Especially for I'm assuming the budget they had, like, it's really good.
4: Right, and almost all of the Oates Studio stuff is dystopian in some way. It's it's some kind of apocalypse, and they're short, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, roughly. But that first one with Sigourney Weaver is it really hooks you. So. <laughs> dark it is like Very. like, like we, we're talking on an, an alien invasion where humanity is losing and badly and, and there is no hope yeah. but still the fight goes on and super tense super incredible and wow compelling yeah. and and matt you're right i want to see that movie yeah what was the second one about i don't remember it the second one's about the river god oh, oh yes
2: yeah, yeah, vietnam yeah. soldiers that's mm-hmm. right okay yeah, that one was good too. That one was a little crazy. That like, was a
4: little wild. A little, but definitely it shows you that okay, every one of these are going to be very
2: different. Right. Well, cuz that one didn't have anything to do with space. It was like this guy just he gets to a point of emotional like turbulence where he just creates his own like crazy environment around him and all this crazy shit happens. Yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. And it's it's one of those it's both of them. It's something that it's it's meant to be experienced it's it's more of a tone poem than anything but one's rooted in horror sci-fi yes so if you haven't seen the oat stuff and you might have it's been there for years on youtube uh, but if you're just discovering it hey that's on netflix what is that check it out it's worthwhile it's like black box but meaner
2: yeah be prepared it's definitely if you're one of those people that can't watch a ton of like super like deep dark stuff all in one sitting just space it out it's worth the watch but so far yeah it's definitely been like oh my god
5: that's
3: all i did literally
4: a couple short movies yeah all right jeff what'd you do this week
3: well i didn't get to do a lot but i did go see uh venom let there be carnage um I was on the fence about I wanted to see it or not, but then I discovered I had a free movie ticket, so <laughs> I decided to go check it out. Um, it was okay. It was okay? Yeah. I, I got to say, I, I, I really liked the first one, even though it is so far removed from the source material. But I was willing to give this one a try because the reviews have been all over the place on this one, at least the spoiler-free some are recommending it, some are not recommending it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go check it out. Uh, I think to its detriment, it's only about ninety minutes long. Oh, it's it's a shorter film. I you know think it could have benefited from another half hour because uh, the scenes feel clipped. Like it feels like they're trying to cram a lot of stuff into a scene in a very short like five-minute scene versus, you know, maybe expand that out to seven minutes, you know, pad it. The pad. Instead of some movies where they just pad the scene, and you're like, oh, my God, this scene is going on way too long. This was a movie that felt like every scene was just a little bit too short. Like it would have benefited from maybe one or two more lines of dialogue.
2: Which is odd because, I mean, yeah. most of those types of films, I think all of us are totally fine with sitting through at least two hours of movie.
3: Yeah. I, I, and the first one was, I thought, two hours long. Roughly, yeah. Was yeah. There. Like, like like right at or just under, I think, two hours long. This one, um, there's only about 90 minutes of screen time, even when you get into the post-credits scene, um, which is more of a mid-credit scene as as opposed to a post-credit scene because I did stick all the way through to the very end and there is not a post-credit scene. So you get that mid-credit scene and that's it. I don't know. I feel like it had a lot of potential. To me, a lot of the jokes just were not hitting. They were more more groan-centric instead of laugh-out-loud-centric comedy. And I think it's... I, they went with a different tone for the film, and I think that's part of the issue. The first film was very much that kind of that buddy cop style, style setup. This felt more like a rom-com, and not a rom-com between Eddie Brock and his ex, more of a rom-com between Eddie Brock and Venom. That's weird. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Oh, it was a yeah. little weird. Yeah. Um how was so, how yeah. the sex scene? Well, I'm not gonna get into that one. That was <laughs> that was also a little weird, but um <laughs> There's a sex scene? What? You have to see the film for yourself. I'm not gonna Whoa. spoil it. I was uh, making a joke. I'm, yeah.
4: I'm a little gobsmacked right
1: now. Well, that's what happened in the sex scene. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. It just I it didn't hit with me the way the other one did. Um I hesitate to say too much more because there's a lot of spoilers out there already, especially with regards to that mid-credit scene um, and how it ties into the overall Sony cinema, whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays, the Sony cinematic use of Marvel or whatever. Anyway, (laughs) so, yeah. Um, Can I recommend it? Uh, I say wait for it to come out on video. All right, yeah. that's 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 my recommendation, um, which now is coming to streaming services. Yeah, streaming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait for it to come out on streaming because um, so it is his. Sony, and Sony doesn't have their own streaming service right, right now. So where would yes. it go? Uh, Whoever I, bids on it? I think I think it's going to wind up on Netflix because wasn't uh, uh, wasn't Spider Man Far From Home and um, Homecoming both of those were on Netflix while everything else was on Disney Plus. I thought I remember that doing that way because since it's it's an MCU film but since it's not a Marvel Studios MCU film those two were right. on Netflix if i recall okay so that's just my guess um I would the, have to look to see where Venom is streaming right now. They'll and,
2: probably get bit out because they could also go yeah, to Amazon.
3: That is true
1: too. Venom was on Netflix, I believe, sometime this month is when it leaves. Okay. I saw that on Flick Connection when I uh when he did his What's, co- what's, what's going, Coming What's and Going What's Going. Yeah.
3: Okay. I've yet to see Venom, so I should probably
5: You go haven't on seen that. the first
2: one? No. It's actually pretty decent.
1: Yeah, it's not bad at all.
2: Tom Hardy's I think he always delivers a solid performance. Right. It, Always. Tom
1: Hardy yeah yeah I haven't seen it either but you know that's reason enough right there I mean so, Peaky, yeah.
2: Peaky Blinders he's amazing but it's really hard right. to understand what he's saying but it's Tom Hardy <laughs> well, <laughs> well yeah, it's
1: the yeah
3: that that character that's there's a lot of British people it's kind depending of depending on the region in which they were right. raised that are very difficult to understand
4: is he the Begbie of uh, Peaky Blinders
2: no, he plays a Jewish businessman. Okay. Yes.
4: Or anything
1: coming from the Welsh area?
2: Well, God. that is a thick accent, yes.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's no, Did you uh, guys ever see the... Shite, I can't remember the title. He plays the Cray the twins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that movie. Yeah.
2: Uh, that takes place in like the 20s or... Yeah,
1: that, one, that one's really it's good, 60s, too. It's 60s, but oh, okay. they're, yeah. they're mobster twins. They're based on real yes. British mobsters. I, have seen that one. I was good.
3: very impressed with him in that because yeah. Yeah. not only is he have, having to play off of himself yes. in two different roles, but having two twins that have very, very different personality types. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, yeah that one is, that one's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, that's definitely one I would encourage people to check out. What else you do, Jeff? Caught up on Only Murders in the Building, caught up on What If, which I won't get into because apparently three-quarters of the room have not seen the the series finale. <laughs> um, Is it
2: series or season? I, I've i been wondering that with a lot of these shows. On uh, Disney+. Se-
1: season two has been announced.
3: I was going to say, yeah, it, it said season finale in the Disney Plus app, but a lot of reviewers were calling it the series finale. But as Kirsten just mentioned, they have now officially announced that it has been picked up for a second season. Yeah. Um I also uh got caught up on Star Trek Lower Decks and goddamn it, I love that show. Yeah. It is It's a good show. It is just so well written and all the naysayers just really need to as Shatner once said, get a life. You know, I mean, it's, it's,
4: uh, <laughs> Whoa. Out. Wow. it's not afraid to poke wow.
3: fun at its own history, but still being Star Trek at its core. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is what has really got me taken with the series because, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's supposed to be a quote unquote comedy, but think back on some of the more memorable times throughout all the series well especially d space nine yeah is that you know when they would work comedy into those scripts or you know a funny line or a funny moment between two characters or a group of characters so, you know some of those are the most memorable moments yeah and you know there's there's some touching moments too like um i'm trying to remember the name of the episode where uh beckett uh or excuse me where mariner and boimler are trying to sneak into this uh, this big Federation or this big Starfleet oh, par- party. wasn't it
2: like the first episode for this season or the second? Um, uh, oh, no. I, it
3: was more recent. I, I, I want to say it was like three or four episodes ago, maybe three episodes yeah. ago. Um, on that space station. But they, they wind up in this bar, you know, feeling very excluded and feeling not part of Starfleet. And then the bartender points out on the bar that there is a Kirk and Spock etched in on the bar He's like, there's two other people that weren't able to get into that party. And they looked down and that was like another one of those touching moments where it's like, you know, sometimes outsiders are not always outsiders. They're just the, the next step in the new group of who's going to be popular and or right. accepted. Like the red as, shirt. Or, or being a legend in the making kind of thing. So anyway, just things like that. Just really,
4: really, I enjoy on that series. Well, this week, aside from painting a lot of minis, uh, the only thing I did of any import was I watched The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, uh, I was going to watch that today, and I ran out of time. That's the Sopranos movie prequel. And well,
2: that's on HBO, isn't it? Uh,
4: that is on HBO Max. It's doing that, that little window of... Max and theaters only. Right. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Um, there, There's kind of been some pushback against it from, I can't say... Professional reviewers, but on the personal reviewer side, uh, because they kind of touted it as how Tony Soprano became Tony Soprano. Right when it doesn't focus on to- Tony Soprano is an ancillary character at
1: best really
4: sh- so it's about his dad oh. and- no it's about
5: the Maltesante characters
1: yes this this Plus. so it focused it focused on uh Tila that's what you're
4: saying yes it's a, it's Tila <laughs> fuck yeah that's right
1: cuz even the trailers Both. have it focused yeah.
3: on
4: Tony yeah. being yeah. yeah well
2: i think that's how they're selling it
4: oh ah, okay yeah. and and so that the blowback from that is warranted not that it's a bad movie. I really, really enjoyed it. It focuses on Dickie Moldesanti. uh, Moldesanti, uh Christopher's Christopher... grandfather, right? No. no. Is it father? Uh, father, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So if you're familiar with Sopranos, these will all make sense to you. If not, woo! All right. Christopher! <laughs> right. So uh, really, really interesting, of course.
5: I hated that character.
4: Dicky Moldesanti was an influence, if you watch the original Sopranos, was a big influence on Tony Soprano. And you can see those scenes where Tony is involved in this. Yeah, you can see that in there. Uh, But the overall arcing story, it's a Sopranos-style story. If you like Sopranos, you will probably like this uh, once you get used to the idea that you are watching the Moldesanti family. Yes, uh, Tony's mother and father... Figure into this quite heavily, Uncle Junior, and so on. Characters that you know, younger versions of. Some of the characters, uh, particularly of Silvio and Polly Walnuts, <laughs> the actors do a really, really good job of their their characterizations because those two characters from The Sopranos really are standouts for their personalities.
5: Yes. Absolutely. And, you know what's funny and their about personality that? quirks. You know what's funny? Silvio was an add-on. Yes. Because they wanted the, the bass player from... i uh, oh, sorry, bass player.
3: Little Steven Van Zandt, yeah. guitar player.
5: They were like... He he didn't want to take a job away from an established actor because he's already a big shot
3: in music. Yeah. So like,
5: oh, don't worry, we can we can make this part for you. Turns out he's one of the best parts of the original Sopranos.
3: Just an idea. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was supposed to be a a, a, a much smaller role. Yeah. And, and I, like yeah, because they originally wanted him to enter uh, or to audition for another part, if I recall. And he's like, no, 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 no. I know who you got auditioning for it, and they they definitely. Yeah, sorry to interrupt there, but I just thought... No, no, that's fine. Uh,
4: the actors do a good job of recreating those personality quirks of those characters, but almost to the point of parody. Ah, oh. uh, that that's all, what I was afraid it of. It almost pushes it a little too far, especially the guy that plays Paulie Walnuts. And it's like, the Paulie Walnuts character, those personality quirks seem a little more present because of his age of that character. It doesn't seem like something that would still be there yeah. in his youth. Yeah. So that's why it pushes into some kind of weird thing. So, But it wasn't so much to dist- distract me from the movie, but... Almost. Yeah, it got close. Uh, but the overall story is a Soprano story. There is treachery. There is all that sort of stuff involved in it. And also family, which is what it's also about. So, and I have to admit, uh, the kid, uh, the son of, what's what's the actor's name that played uh, Tony Soprano? Do you remember, Jeff?
3: Oh, um, James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. Yeah, James yeah, Gandolfini's uh, son plays yeah.
4: Tony Soprano in this. Yeah. And he does a really good job. It's really impressive how much he captures his father.
3: Yeah, the a lot of the uh, original cast, like, coached him on... You know, how his father portrayed the role. And he watched, like, not just the actual series, but a lot of outtakes and so forth. So, stuff that no one else had ever seen and got to
4: get him ready for that role. And the actress that played Janice, uh, Tony Soprano's sister, Uh spot on. Looks, sounds, spitting. It looks like young Janice. Amazing. So, kudos on her, her performance and her ability and those that cast her
5: completely. Question How many times did they eat? Lots. Lots Good. of They're eating. They're Italian. They're Italian oh. family. It's Sopranos. It's Lots of oh. eating.
2: Food is always yeah, a thing. Yeah,
5: it's just, I just remember watching the original series and I'm like, I'm hungry now. Oh, I'm hungry oh, yeah. now. <laughs> oh, I'm watching the Sopranos. That's Isn't, why. That's
2: why, it's, it's like, like, like watching like, Mad Men. All you want to do is smoke a cigarette and, and drink. drink.
4: <laughs> oh, that'll happen here too. Yeah. You're, you're, you're gonna want, oh, you're gonna want to get some takeout. Bakes, you know. I
3: I think that that says something about the way that, um, uh, Stephen Van Zandt and uh, the guy's name escapes me that played Polly Walnuts in the original series because they both played those characters so over the top, but still believable at the same time. It was yep. one of those is like, nobody acts like this, oh, except for people that were from that region, you know, that, that, you know, they're always, oh, ov- everything over-exaggerated to the yeah. point of, of being uh, just like you said, almost a parody of a character, so yeah, you have to walk that fine line. If you're doing an interpretation of that character and a character that's so over the top, how do you make it as believable as the original actor that portrayed that character without sure. making it go uh,
1: it's, farcical? It,
4: yeah. yep. it is. And beings so far away from watching Sopranos and right. watching this, there were a lot of moments that I had to go to IMDb and go, okay, wait, who's this? Who's mm-hmm. this now? But for those two characters, I didn't have to do that at all. You know, the <laughs> moment they walked on the screen, who they were.
2: See, and we just finished, re- well, I just watched it for the first time, the whole thing. So during COVID, we just started watching Sopranos. How'd you so. like that ending? <laughs> I mean, I'm okay, I can see why people were annoyed. I don't understand why they were so pissed off because... It's not, so I had envisioned in my head the mm-hmm. bits and pieces that I had heard uh-huh. from people who watched it and loved the show that I thought like, and sorry if this is a spoiler, but yeah, I thought, I thought that they had actually shown a guy with a gun walking towards Tony and then they cut it. That's what it sounded like. Nope. I know, but that's what it sounded like. Everything I heard not watching the show at all, that's what it sounded like. And so everybody's like, did he die or not? Did they did he shoot him or not? And so the way they set it up, I mean, I can I can understand it, but I feel like at the same time, I'm like, eh. I, I get why they ended the show that way. It was kind of just like, okay, we're done now.
3: I think in the sense that... For, for at least for me personally, and and, uh, and another friend of mine that you know feels this kind of the same way about this, because we were both watching it live when it happened, and I called him like just as soon as it ended, and he actually called me at the same time, and uh, you know we, we were like, what the fuck was that? Like we both literally thought the cable had gone out. Like we were, just sitting, we we're sitting there because it was just like a completely black yeah. screen, and we're just like, "Wait a minute, what, what's yeah, going on?" Yeah, it was like here? a mid-family
2: meal thing, and blink.
3: And I think for us, part of the reason is because it was such a beloved series, and it had been such a big part of life, and and the anticipation, and the way that scene is shot, that that the end of that episode is shot, it's amping up the anxiety. Yeah. So on there is there is this on the edge of your seat with no payoff. And that is why it's such a hated finale by a lot of people. There's a very small amount of people that appreciate it. I still think it's a cop-out um, as, as as much as I like the creator. I just think, I think in a creative direction that he took it, I think it was a, it was a mistake. Well, I think I it mean- was a misstep.
2: I feel like the ending of Lost was a cop out.
3: Oh yeah, well, I I'm mean, like you're
2: you're building this whole cool thing, and then now you're calling whatever.
3: Well, <laughs> even the producers on Lost were like, you know, we had only planned to go four seasons total, and that ending was what they had planned, but ended up getting modified because of the a number of seasons that they had to add into the series. And, and increase a storyline that they had never originally envisioned because the studio wanted them to produce more episodes this was a, a, a this was a series sopranos was a series that david chase had basically complete control over right beginning to end he had a beginning middle and end story arc that he wanted to do with the little fill-in stories here and there so he ended it the way he wanted to end it i just don't agree with the way he ended it Going back to those two characters,
5: though, and, and how they played it over the top, mm-hmm. uh, I actually talked to a Columbo captain, Michael Franzese, mm-hmm. personally, uh, when he was doing his book tour for one of his uh, books that he wrote. And I asked him, I'm like, does anyone really act like this? And he goes, yeah, surprisingly, all the time. Like, Pauline <laughs> Walnut, Silvio, all of them. They're all spot on yeah. to it, what they...
2: They're just over-the-top dramatic. Well, well, yeah. yeah.
1: It was really I, funny, because yeah. uh, coming from Long Island... Uh, nobody does fucking movies about Long Island, right? Yeah. Except mafia or crime movies, because then all of a sudden you got Long Island, New York, Jersey. Yeah. And so like Goodfellas, um, bits of Casino or Sopranos, there'd be bits and pieces in there that I'd remember from my childhood. And I remember looking at Zant Silvio the very first time I saw it, and I was like, wow, he's laying it on a little thick. And then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, "Yeah, no, no, there were guys like that." And then I remember, like, a Saturday Night Fever. Mm -hmm. That's another one. It's 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 just like that. There are a lot of characters who are like they they become these caricatures of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing Francisi says often is, "You got to realize most of these guys are." crazy yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah
2: but they're also italian so yeah. like you know barry his mom is very italian right very yes italian. that's true so barry grew up in new jersey with a very italian mother and family yeah and he has tons of stories it's about funny growing up there barry's
1: like that. mom the one time i met her it's like she 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 could substitute for Martin Scorsese's mom. You know how she (laughs) appears in all his movies? You could slide Barry's mom in there if if Scorsese's mom is ever sick or is out of town. Just use Barry's mom and she'll fit. (laughs) It'll just it'll yep, go right it'll in. work. Why
2: That's aren't you eating? Yeah. Everything everything is and Barry's Oh my there, god
1: Ma, I gotta borrow this knife. I'm and gonna take this knife. Yeah. I, I always <laughs> used to
3: think that Barry's stories about his mom were exaggerated until oh, no. Deb actually met him and confirmed that nope, they're not exaggerations. Yeah, right. If anything, he's underselling yeah. it. Yeah. Oh dude. Um,
1: especially like like good Yeah, well and, that and, would always flash me back.
3: And too. my friend that I watched that I was watching with the Sopranos finale, you know, we were in different households but we were we talked about it before and then after the uh, he's very New York Italian and I remember like after we'd watched like the first season I'm like okay I gotta know is it really like that there and he goes it depends but yeah he's like I have family members that are like that I'm like that they're, they're that over-the-top that they it's almost to the point of being absurd and he goes oh yeah and That's just how they are because it's almost like a competition thing. Like you have to make yourself stand out from all the other people in your neighborhood or of your ethnic background and so forth. So it's that kind of constant back and forth competition that you become more, your personality becomes more exaggerated. And then then the person that you're trying to one up has to one up you. So they become even more exaggerated. So it's just, it's almost like a community thing. And especially, he said, different parts like, uh, like Eastern Jersey and, and Western New York City. Just in the Italian-American communities in there, it's really over the top. Now don't, now, don't get me wrong. Not every New York Italian is like that, but there are certain areas where it's very prevalent.
1: So, Kirsten,
4: what'd you do this week?
1: Eh. Eh? I, uh, I, did, I did some reading. I read some old D&D novels. Ah. Oh. So it was, was was okay.
5: Like what? Like character creation but like in the 70s or
1: no, well, actually okay if you're going if you're going to at me, man. No, I was just asking, <laughs> I'm curious. Um there is a series Hawk and Moore which is a uh, a historical uh, starting of D&D thing. Oh, so and, not a story. <clears throat> well, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Hawk and Moore. All right. <laughs> well, it's because it's from uh Greyhawk and Blackmoor. Oh, okay, which are uh, Gygax's and Arneson's original campaigns. And I'd started this some time ago, but I'd I'd never run through it. So it's actually an ongoing series. He actually plans more books because right now he runs, I think he runs up to the mid or late 80s. Uh, But I'm starting book five. So he, uh, book one, like talks about basically from when Guy Gax and Arneson were born right into the beginnings of d and d Book 2 then talks about the initial stages, putting things together and so on. And the thing I like about this book, because there are there are actually there are actually a lot of, there are now a lot of uh, gaming history books out there uh, of Dyson, and Men playing at the world. But Hawk and Moore is kind of cool because not only does he talk about the business, and the relationships making D and D, but he also actually talks about a lot of the games. So literally, literally like session reports from gaming, uh, gaming encounters, games wow. that that the guys played. So it, it's it's a little it's a little of both. And he 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 doesn't he doesn't play at having his own stuff exclusively. So he'll cite from Dyson Men. He will cite from Shannon Applekline's history of role-playing games, as well as uh, Peterson, John Peterson's playing at the world. He does get some stuff, because he does get private stories or papers where people have session notes from the 1970s. And so you learn a little something about the evolution of the game. And he also cites a lot from court documents between Gygax and Arneson when they were trying to establish creatorship status and everything like that. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it is. Right. It is cool. It's interesting because yeah. just as you're getting for some people, I love history, so I I wouldn't mind. But just as for some people, they might be getting a little dry with all the And then Gygax came up with armor class and, you know, and stuff like that. They'll be like, "Well, there was Dave Arneson's Temple of the Frog." Now, in that dungeon crawl, and then they'll talk about the people and the players. And, uh, and the, ca- the characters who go in there. So And that, that actually that actually can be a little fun. The interesting tidbits, uh, in some of the early dungeon crawls, Todd, uh, people did actually play with more than one character.
4: Did they? Yeah. They don't do that in Gloomhaven, though.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, right, they do it in Moonhaven. Moonhaven. Yeah, they Moonhaven.
1: You, you got to have multiple <laughs> moons, um, but there it was interesting because they talk about the introduction of the Thief class. They talk about you know the guy goes in depth about the guy who you know made the Ranger class and stuff like that, and then it'll move into how fast it it rose because TSR and D and D it it had like a couple months where it had a slow start. And then suddenly it started exploding and then it spiraled out of control and then it just got fucking insane and everything was crazy about it. It was really, really was very a Senate commission, and it's holy shit we made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was really fun. They talk about the early stages of the satanic yeah. panic. Yeah. And apparently it was really funny because a lot of the things like changing demon and devil's names and stuff like that came after Gygax. Um but it was it was also a strange kind of publicity move because the satanic panic did not hurt sales. In fact, no. every time yep. people would throw a fit, yep. their sales would spike. Yeah. So
2: Because parents would be like, "You can't play that." Yeah. So what do you want to go do? So
1: what's going to happen? Yeah. Just reinforces and, that there's no yeah. such thing as bad press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, and and it's impressive too for D&D because at the time, even at the time, D&D was an expensive game. The original D&D in its original box set was 10 bucks which in it's kind of funny cuz nowadays that makes sense in 70s money it's about 50 bucks now a little more than 50 so when you think about it the price of games have not really changed <laughs> but but at that time 10 bucks was just like what the fuck but they were doing the sales they were selling it they talk about how they felt under pressure to get the game out. So the original rules were kind of crazy, but how the original rules having holes and being vague and being wargamer oriented, all these people coming in to play D&D who had no wargaming experience had to do their own creating. And out of that came a whole bunch of, a new generation of game makers. Kent, saint andre sandy peterson greg stafford you know all of those guys coming out and thinking about games and game design and it was it so it's really that part of it got really really fascinating and then um uh i haven't started the fifth book yet which is where it's all starting to gonna go crazy in terms of the corporate thing Gygax losing control to the Blooms, Lorraine Williams coming in and totally making things crazy and what have you. So
2: Big business. <clears throat> yeah.
1: yeah. All right. So th- that you discussed the fifth book. Yes. A series called Hawk and Moore. Hawk and Moore. Uh, so how big are each of these books? They're not monstrous. Uh, the trilogy, oh, hell. I don't know how. 300. 500 I, I think so i mean i could take the time here to take a look but i know how todd hates that sort of thing but they're not huge because i know todd i know you're gun shy with john peterson's playing at the world which was 700 pages so
2: the no wheel of time uh, yeah no
1: wheel of time uh, playing at the World, Clear. by the way is fucking hard to find that is hard. i have started looking for it and it is out of print and it is hard to find
4: Candle. Motherfucker. There's
1: no digital versions yeah, of it? Not. There, there's no digital. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Or if there is a digital, it's super expensive. I don't think there's a digital though. I hmm. actually have to double check. Cause I was looking around and I'm like, I can't get this cause I can't find it. Cause I was willing to actually buy a paperback or something. It's out of print. So. Half price uh, books. We need half
2: price books here. Well, I,
1: no, because the thing is, is that people have figured out that the book is rare. So now people who have I mean when I say it's hard to find I don't mean it's hard to find period I mean it's hard to find cheap because <laughs> yes. people are charging hundreds of dollars for their copy It's like is it's, this
3: is this something that you want to that you're looking for to own or you just want to find it to read?
1: Oh I wouldn't mind owning it but I'd like to find it to read it. Because, have you
3: gone to the library and then seeing if they have uh, access to other library collections and could get yeah. it shipped into you?
1: Because
2: I always
3: keep forgetting should. that libraries do that. Yeah, that, they do. I forget that like libraries they don't... exist. <laughs> well, not that, but like <laughs> I do. I I, do. I remember when I, I I couldn't find a book. Couldn't find a book. Found out it was out of print. Uh, went to my library. They didn't have it. And then one of the librarians goes, "Well, you know that we have." Uh, contracts with other libraries we can occasionally find that book yes, yeah at other libraries in other cities and have it shipped there. i've and done I that like, oh in yeah the past when i
1: was a kid okay you you do the, the sometimes the it takes a couple search. months yeah, yeah but and then the, and those are fun because yeah. you're like not expecting it and then there's in the mail hey we got your book and you're like oh shit and if so. it's out of print you're allowed to
3: make copies of a of the text for your own personal
1: use. I will. I'll scan all 700 pages on my
3: phone. That's what, that's (laughs) why I hate if there's a book that's out of print and it's not available readily, why it's not, why the publisher who will sue anybody that makes copies of it won't just scan all of the original pages and then make them available for a reasonable price well
1: it, it, it depends on a lot of reasons why it's out of print too right. a lot of times things are out of print because of legal sure. battles yeah, licenses. And, and then there are assholes who are waiting to drum up a market so they create an artificial scarcity so you know yeah. i mean i know what you're saying but generally because i'm totally like unsympathetic you know right. it's like hey you want to sell your shit, put it out there for sale right don't don't complain if people are xeroxing and it's funny because they actually talk about that in hawk and moore because the game was so expensive people frequently xeroxed the rules and passed them around and on the one hand
5: real on, on
1: one, the one <laughs> hand Gygax hated that right he was pissed but on the other hand he acknowledged that that word of mouth passing around those photocopied rules generated interest and he was like it, it, he eventually, uh, the 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 author actually quotes an interview where he was eventually like, you know, it it was always a sword edge to walk on, because we hated it, but at the same time we knew that it had a lot to do with the the uh, the initial popularity and people wanting to play and stuff and getting involved.
2: And a lot of people, I mean, they'll get the. The photocopy, but then they'll just go buy it.
1: They'll go buy it, yep. and that was the other thing. Because it's funny how people will complain, you know,
2: oh, all these photocopies buying into sales. And
1: it's like, your sales are zipping through the roof, dude. Yep. I mean, they, they actually were running into zones where they were having trouble fulfilling orders because it was just starting to get more and more crazy. Uh, offering that they, they did really fun things like they offered lifetime subscription to TSR stuff, which apparently Wizards of the Coast still honors. Wow! Wow! wow. And people paid you know a couple hundred bucks, seventies money, to always get the whatever TSR puts out. Damn. And I believe I read that there are still like a couple, literally just a couple people that Wizards is still honoring that. Wow! But there were people who got that and got stuff out and. Um, they do subscription services like that. And, stuff. and, and of course, one of the funnier things to read about was the Valhalla burning letter. It's a famous letter that a DM wrote in going, What do I do? My campaign's out of control. My players went to Asgard and they killed Thor. No, no, <laughs> no. And, and it was so funny because cause even guy you know Gygax and, and uh, Tim Kask, I believe, is was his assistant at that time, were just like laughing like, Why would any DM... Let them, do, you know, you just, you just don't let them do that. And that was part of the thing behind deities and demigods was to put out, you know, okay, yeah, 400 hit points, but can only be hit by this and that of that. And people continued to complain that that just made gods killable, whatever, but it was always funny. And it's called the Valhalla burning letter. It was just because for the longest time, G- Gygax kept his home open. Um, you had his address people send him letters he got phone calls one of the reasons why um, he wanted to get out the rule sets was because he was tired of phone calls at midnight asking for <laughs> rules clarifications so he was driving him fucking nuts you know so it's really funny stuff like that and just this whole building from the ground because this really was a rags to riches from the ground up uh, development thing and it It was very, very funny. So I ended up having a lot of D&D on my mind lately. And then I picked up a couple of the Greyhawk books, uh, the novels, the fiction novels, and they're okay. I pretty much, I think I've exhausted all the good stuff. So now I'm just like, I wish they would make more D&D stuff because... A, a, you know, it'd be it'd be nice to read something like that, but they're just not doing it right now. Yeah. Probably because they're once again drumming up interest. They want yeah. people to save it for the TV show and the movie.
4: No, but still, you think Which, that I don't know why they ever stopped doing D- those dragons novels. That seems well, like a ever full well. Well, I think part of it was, of
1: course, the whole Random House deal, their printing problems, and everything falling apart. Which is what killed tsr and led wizards of the coast to step in and then wizards of the coast kept stuff up for a long time and people have been asking and there haven't really been satisfactory answers as to why they haven't restarted you know Uh, r.a salvatore they're churning out Drizzed books uh, uh, and since fifth edition came out i think they're they're like six nine new drizz books okay. they're, 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 those are out there but that is really kind of all of what they're doing right now and it's hmm. kind of weird that that's happening that is odd so they're doing comic books right they're in D comic books out there idw dynamite i i don't know who's uh publishing them but they're putting them out there Jim Zub. Is a writer who's actually he's he's making bank because he's he's constantly putting out stuff and and uh, of course the critical role crew do their own, which is D and D even though it's their own world and characters and stuff so there is that out too and Rick and Morty D and D which is that one's great oh yeah. god that is so fucking funny so so I guess I did a little something I've been reading a lot of that because uh, and and watching YouTube. We're in the Battle of Stalingrad in World War II, week by week. And uh, that's going to be going on for a couple months. And, and so that stuff has been actually very interesting. And I stumbled across Sandy Peterson's channel. Sandy Peterson, Call of Cthulhu writer, very, very, uh, uh, very important game designer. It's, it's funny. He actually has... Uh, Lovecraftian mythos explanation videos and it's like 10-15 minutes of uh, who, who are the yith, you know who, uh, who is uh, whatever, what have you. So I've been watching those and he's actually, he's really fun and interesting. He also uh, does some interesting stuff on best bad best good bad horror movies. Ooh. And so he talks about horror movies Italian giallo Uh, movies he said that these are movies that are bad but they're bad enough that they're good so and the one thing he's introduced me to is the what he calls actually its own genre horror genre of the 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 templar undead movies there's like a series of them that came out from spain which are templar knights and literally every single movie is there are templar knights who get risen, who rise from the dead and have to kill so many people because they've made a, a a terrible pact with the ancient pagan gods and they have to fulfill that pact. And and that's like, it's like its own genre. Wow. Uh, uh, he kind of calls it that. It's very so. niche. It, it's incredibly niche. I actually got the, one of those movies and I'm like, uh, I'll have to break that out at some point. I would wait for Steve, but I don't think Steve's going to be back before Halloween. So you got to... Oh. Got to do the horror in October. Yeah. It is, it is Winona Ryder month, after all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So there's that.
4: Very fine. Uh, the Geek Shock Book Club is reading The Fireman by Joe Hill. Uh, discussions will have been opened by the time you hear this. And uh, I did forget to mention, and I'm going to start mentioning every show, uh, if you don't want to join the Kofi, that is absolutely fine. This show will always be free. It will always be out there. Geek Shock will always be Geek Shock. One thing you can do to really help us, though, is go to uh, Apple Podcasts and write a review for the show. That does help us a lot. So that's something free you can do to help the show. So we really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. I,
3: I did forget to mention before we move on. Uh, so last week I mentioned that uh, that YouTube video where the... Uh, That prop with the red lights that goes back and forth and all the different shows and uh, movies and TV shows it's appeared in. Uh, John Bean Hastings posted today uh, pictures from the prop warehouse in San Fernando, California. Uh, This is one of many prop warehouses that are all over the greater Los Angeles area. It's really fascinating. Uh, But he has a picture of that. So he actually got to... Get yeah. up close to this. That was funny. This prop, and I was like, "That's just amazing." Um, but he also, in that same thread, shows pictures of a bunch of other props that you will definitely recognize from your favorite sci-fi uh, and movies and TV shows. And what's fascinating to me is even in the background of the pictures that he ha- has posted, there's stuff that you can barely see, but you'll definitely re- recognize. Right from all of those things. One of the things
1: I love, to, because one of the things that drives me crazy is like you said, the pictures of this prop. Mm-hmm. It's like it's used in so many things. You can't even sit there and say, it's a picture of a warp core. Or, you yeah. know, that the prop that was used as a phaser compensator in the whoosie, whoosie, you know, <laughs> because it's been used plug-in, so, plug-in. It, it's been used everywhere. It There's nothing to describe it except yeah. the alternating lights thingy. It's just a thing and it's just there. Yeah.
3: So yeah, but still, it was awesome that he actually got to see that. Cause that is, I I, w- I would love to have been able to go to that. Where I, I guess it's closed now, that particular one. They sold off all of their inventory. Uh, most likely, it got up bought bought up by one of the other warehouses that.
1: Uh, have I props. want one.
3: I want one. And Andy, yeah, you know, my and next like dude. every <laughs> studio has their own prop warehouse too, which uh, I don't know if everybody's aware of. They loan out to other studios. Because every time I've taken a a studio tour and done the VIP tour and they take us through the prop warehouse, there's tags for like, you know, like when I was at Universal, there were tags at stuff in their prop warehouse that said uh, Warner Brothers. And sometimes they'd have a show that was going to be the one uh, renting out this prop for whatever production that they were on. But it's just fascinating as much as they're in competition, they're also in uh, cooperation a lot of the time, you know, using each other's Back lots, using each other's prop warehouses, uh, costume warehouses, etc. So, anyway, it's just kind of an amusing
4: anecdote. All right, we got a little mail, so Barry, give it to me. Mail, mail,
1: we've got mail.
4: That's all you get for free. All right. Not that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything, anything but that.
4: We got a mail, a request for a uh, Jeff's bad impressions so oh, oh yeah now last time we we was requested to do cleveland brown and he knocked it out of the goddamn park
2: yes he did he did an amazing job
4: so, oh no
1: never 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 going to be that good again so, no. <laughs> probably not <laughs>
5: he's
3: got that and some Same. i've cocaine. got like that and beavis and butthead and that's it that's that's all i got i
4: am Gwen Julio. so jeff i i sent you the script of yes. what you're supposed to read so i have I'm, it i have it right here so you have it right there okay yep so this uh, once again, Chris is making the request. Okay, he's the one that requested the Cleveland Brown. All right, all right. So this time he's saying, "Let's see if Jeff can do the monologue from The Breakfast Club as Meatwad." Oh boy,
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> this Sheesh. is tough. This is a, yeah, because Meatwad is not an easy creature to replicate.
3: Right. God, I got to think how
4: to channel that one. Teen, hunger forces. Meatwad. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's unfair, but that's how this is structured, is that Jeff is not allowed to know what yeah. he's it, going to be. It's
1: unfair because yeah, it's supposed it. to be unfair.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the don't way all games you. are. All games are unfair.
3: I'm trying to I'm trying to hear his voice in my head right now. It's been so long since I've watched oh, I an episode of Aqua Teen. Well, there's the excuse right there. That's well, the, yeah. Yeah. Here, just give him a bone. It's well it's not like, not, not like, that it was good, would be a good impression anyway, but
5: Channel of man babies, but not to that extreme. <laughs>
4: I love that you're given the the fine tune. That's uh, Matt, Matt it's, soon we are gonna have you do the right. impressions.
3: <laughs> I'll give it a shot, but it's not gonna be good. I already know this off the top of my head. <laughs> Which is the subtitle of the segment, right? Well, the last
4: one was a banger, so this time I expect just perfection.
3: (laughs) Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was he did wrong, but we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling us who you think we are. (laughs) You see, as you want us to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definition,
1: but what we found out is that each one of us is a brain <laughs> and an athlete in a basket case. A oh princess and a criminal. <laughs> Did that answer your question? To yours, the breakfast club. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I, I, I can't get his pitch right,
0: you, you, for oh, sure.
4: Uh, Kirsten, hmm? you know, we talked, uh, I think it was last week we talked about how... Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul just mm-hmm. has Bill Cosby mm-hmm. and everything's kind of based off of that. Uh-huh. So that was uh, Meatland Brown. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: I was trying to get his little southern drawl that Meatwad does, but I can't I couldn't Meatland work Brown. it into it. What, what's yeah.
4: amazing is when you started it was actually really good and fairly I, close.
3: Yes. I to do that was actually uncomfortable with the Visalign, so that's why I had to the Visalign excuse. It. The Visalign excuse. Yes, yes. yes. No, no, I'm I'm not kidding you because for for people that haven't had this, it's like it restricts the different things that you can do with your jaw and your and yeah. then then your tongue placement. The number
1: of times I've been told that.
3: <laughs> so, like to do the pitch that I started with was really uncomfortable, really quickly. Well, you started off pretty good. Yeah. I'll give you that. Got to give him that one. Yeah, that that one would take some practice. So, I've never I've never been able to do meet what, or I've never tried to do meet I should say.
4: So thank you, Chris, for sending the, uh, the number request. of times I've heard that one. Right. <laughs> and thank you, Jeff, for attempting it. Yeah, yes, I tried. Not Good easy. sport, Jeff. Yes. Absolutely.
3: Change your name. Tr- try again in another fifty weeks when I get these stupid things out, and I can.
4: All right. So send us another request yeah, in fifty right? weeks. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: in almost a year from now. Remind
3: me right.
4: fifty weeks. Or send all your requests within that fifty weeks, so it's that much harder. There
1: oh Jesus.
4: <laughs> oh that would be fun Todd
1: a lightning round oh of Jesus bad Jeff impressions
4: <laughs> Bing! Co- could Jeff. <laughs> we, we get enough, we get enough requests we can make that happen <laughs> Bill Cosby
1: doing Cleveland Brown go <laughs> <laughs> Cosby walking. doesn't need to do an impression of somebody else yeah
0: that did the put it pop
4: uh, next, uh, just a quick mail from Cthulhu Collector. He writes, I would suggest the 1944 movie Laura if you want to see a very good movie with Vincent Price. It's a mystery movie directed by Otto Preminger. It was neat to see Price in a type of film, noir, that you normally don't think of him in. Love, Cthulhu Collector. Thank you, Cthulhu Collector, yeah. for that suggestion. It is a very good one, yeah. And then we have G'day, fuckers. oh Aussie Matt? Yeah, Aussie Matt. Good call. Aussie Matt here with my annual where the fuck is the Patreon email. F-
2: oh,
1: fuck you. Sweet shit.
5: <laughs> don't
4: turn everyone down. <laughs>
5: no, no. In, in language, you don't understand. Ah,
4: you cunt. It's yeah, right there
3: here. there you It's you go. The okay. show. That's right. <laughs> nah, fuck you. Nah, fuck you. Nah, fuck you. Nah, fuck you. Nah, nah.
4: I see we all speak Australian. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, I just speak Aussie man. <laughs> G'day, fuckers.
4: Here's the annual Where the fuck is my Patreon email that seems to arrive earlier every year, doesn't it? Here I am in day 239 of lockdown in Melbourne, unable to invest my disposable income on strip clubs, so it's just sitting in my bank because I have no way to squander it on vaguely supporting you bunch of freaks, geeks, and weirdos. And Deb.
0: Also. (laughs)
4: Whoa! What? This ass. (laughs) Also, is it possible to get subtitles for Professor Biggs?
5: <laughs> I'd expect that for Andy but
4: <laughs> in, in episode 606 He was talking about a movie that sounded like Colorado space uh, <laughs> But I can't find any details of it Though did you know Colorado does have a Spaceport? What did he mean When he blurted out I washed the bus And then everyone collapsed in Fits of laughter? I don't know <laughs>
1: Was that the, the, Is it the fireball, fireball episode?
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, the movie he was talking about was Die, Monster, Die, I believe, <laughs> it was the Colorado space movie. Uh, well, and fi-
3: he was talking about color out of space, but the joke was right. that we've been calling it Colorado space because the first time he said it, he said it so quickly it sounded like Colorado space. Yes,
4: but the movie he was referring to was Die, oh, Monster, Die.
3: Oh, and that one. it. was okay. based on color out of space. I gotcha. I gotcha.
4: And finally. Just how does the sweetness and light of Deb survive the dark stench and belligerence that is Mr. Deb? Do they, uh, do they uh. somehow balance each other out and form a single normal person? It's like Hannibal Lecter married Mary Poppins, which is a movie crossover I'd like to see. <laughs> what movie crossovers would you like to see? Stay safe and keep fuckery going, Aussie Matt.
3: It's because she wears the pants in the family. That's what keeps it, keeps <laughs> it in mind. Go. Barry Barry has already conceded the fact that he's like whatever she says he should do he'll do because he knows that she's probably the one that uh has the better
2: cuz I based view most of my of decisions him. in fact. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's yes. a little
3: too reactionary and you're you're yes. proactive.
4: So what uh what crossovers would you like to see?
5: Shall I start? Yeah, sure. I just got one. Okay. I know you have two, right, Deb? Yes. Okay, I got one. So I'm gonna go John Wick and The Sound of Music. Interesting. How would
3: that go? <laughs> oh my
4: God, John Wick the musical. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Someone's got to be working on that, right? Some yeah. some small theater in Chicago's got to be doing that. I mean, I'm still waiting. Spider Man
2: the Dark. Is that it?
4: Spider Man Turn Off the Dark. Yeah, right? yeah, Turn Off the Dark. If they can do that, they can do anything. They're doing uh, yeah. Back to the Future the musical in the West End right now. Uh-huh. So, yeah,
3: I saw so aggravating. I keep looking to see if it's at all coming to the United States, they have no information on that. They still have like another year of run in in Let West End, at least. So I, I could see
4: this,
5: your, your suggestion. May, maybe Chimney Sweeping in the Ambassador, oh, what the hell's the name of the hotel?
4: Do they do si- Chimney Sweeping in Sound of Music?
2: No, they oh, do I'm not. i a the, You're thinking of Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. <laughs> My whole movie back, oh no. Chim, chimney, 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 tree although could, happens.
4: <laughs> maybe you can work this a little bit okay uh, it's regular sound of music the, the, the nun comes to teach the, the kids that they fall in love with life. the master and so on but then the Nazis the come to news. take them away but then John Wick steps in at the end and takes oh. out the Nazis yep. oh,
1: yeah.
2: but in crazy awesome, like man. perfect I went totally sweet'
0: the movie you the asked. one show I prepared
5: for, it. I fucked it up. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> all right, who's next? Co- Co- Kirsten, Conan, and what? Wall Street, what? God.
4: Conan and Wall Street. Oh, uh, wow. I-, I would like to see a mixture of My Little Pony and Equus. That's, I think, my choice. I like that. Yeah, man. I especially
1: it's- want to see the the scene where he just yeah. goes the to town on all those... Fucking ponies, yeah. with the sign. and it
4: still stars Daniel Radcliffe, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and if we can resurrect him, Richard Burton as uh, <laughs> as the professor, yeah, the,
4: that'd be great. This, which which brings up another idea I think would be great. Uh, I, if you talking about Burton, I think we should do uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Uh, and Hellraiser. Put those two together. I think it'd be a great combination. That would be.
1: Who's afraid of Virginia Hellraiser? <laughs> oh my god, dude! Dude, if only if only Burton had lived long enough to fall into that that career hole of doing shitty horror movies to pay the
4: rent. <laughs> Man, uh, what other crossovers you got?
2: So, um, well, I was I've been thinking about this one and just made me think of it. But Bridgerton and From Hell. So Jack the Ripper story <laughs> right. with Bridgerton, yeah, yeah,
1: I like that. Uh huh.
2: It's like Ooh. the perfect like. Oh happy cheery everybody's. Oh my god! What
1: is yeah, that? Slash slash <laughs> slit slit. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: The other one I thought this one's really dark actually, Ooh. but um, Children of Men, which is the most depressing movie I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And cheaper by the dozen.
4: Wow. Okay, that's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. That is it. Whoa. Wow. (laughs) Good Lord. That's a musical album. That's pretty (laughs) good.
1: That's pretty good. Man. That kind of gives me an idea. You could do a Children of Men It.
0: (laughs) Oh, Jesus (laughs) Christ.
1: (laughs) Wow. Just, you know, that one kid is born and.
4: And, and not for long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Jeff, you got a crossover? I do. It's
3: a bit of a cheat, but oh. it's something that, uh, I always thought would be a brilliant idea. Quantum leap with any role that Scott Bakula has ever performed.
4: Okay. You hear me
3: out on this Going one. Go meta with it. I like yeah. It. Think of the fact that he hops into Harry D. R. and, Say Lord of Illusions, right? Uh, he pops into Gus Cantrell and back, uh, Major League, back to the minors because he's got to help that team succeed. Jumps into Jonathan Archer and he has to get the crew of the Enterprise to achieve the the first exploration of in the in the first Warp Five engine ship. Uh, I just thought it would it was an idea that I'm sure somebody else has probably had before, but. Um, i just thought it was an interesting thing like even in the role of chuck's father in uh the tv show chuck uh, chuck bartowski's father you know because he has to help heal his son's brain uh i mean literally the list could go on and on and on
1: uh yeah because
4: it's an interesting idea yeah not a joke legitimately well yeah because
1: (laughs) with today's technology it's not a lot of work. It would yeah. actually not be... Because
3: all you would need is one scene where you do a stop frame and do the blue animation of him leaping in and you don't necessarily need to go into the owl telling him what he needs to do. Maybe right. he has to discover that on his own, especially since the series established in the end that he was now leaping on his own without Al's help. So, I don't know. It's just one of those weird little things that I always thought would be a fun way to tie together his whole career.
2: Aren't they talking about doing another Quantum Leap?
3: Yeah, but they've also been talking about it for a good portion of the last 10 years. So it, it always seems to get a little bit of a track, a, a little bit of traction rather, and then stops. And then starts discussions with the studios. Cause I still think Universal owns a, a large portion of the rights to that show. Yeah, but anyway it's, it's, it, there's a lot of starting and stopping with that and then it gets shelved for another few years
1: I think I think uh, Steve and I hit on a great idea to to reinvigorate quantum leap which was <clears throat> excuse me when we were watching dunwich horror I, I think I mentioned this we were watching dunwich horror um and uh what's his name uh, Bella I, Lugosi? no 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 oh no um uh yeah yeah I'm vapor locking on his name the, the his assistant buddy Guy that plays Al, uh, yes, whose name will come to me. Here he's in, in Dunwich Horror, so we were looking at that, and we were just thinking it. You know, uh Steve actually said, "You know, every time he shows up, and this is this is like the guy who wants to do the 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 satanic ritual and everything." And Dean Stockwell. De- Thank you, God damn, I hate it was driving you, me crazy too. Dean Stockwell, every time he's like showing up, and especially like he's got the ceremonial dagger and the chalice and what have you, and steve laughed you know i just keep wanting him to pull out a pad and like you know tell tell somebody it's, that ziggy has yeah. the and then we were like oh my god that'd be a great quantum leap episode did he ever
2: smoke cigars why do i remember him smoking yep, cigars? he did a lot okay. yeah, so yeah, in
1: yeah. quantum leap yeah but you you have the blue thing and 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 there is uh, there's bacula and he's in a hooded robe and he's holding a dagger, and he's over an altar with a naked girl across it, and he's just like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and we thought that'd be a great episode, and yeah. I think that'd be a great way to kick off the new series, guys. So. I still thought the idea of it, you know his daughter
3: uh, discovers the technology and, and leaps looking for him was an, that, an interesting that story that premise. That is
1: a very cool idea actually it's a very nice expansion on the whole idea because then
3: yeah she would have never known her father mm -hmm. you know and how do you get to know him through and and what is i think would have been a good idea is like maybe she leaps into some of the eras that he'd already been and sees what he actually did and maybe comes to terms with the fact that he didn't necessarily abandon her intentionally you know like oh this is what he's actually been doing all this time. Right. You know, he has been doing good things, so he didn't just abandon me because
1: yeah. he didn't want to have a kid. You just wanted to gallivant around time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, it's kind of sad. We're, we're not going to, because of modern copyright, we're not probably not going to be alive long enough to see when those IPs go open and people start cross re- uh, referencing time things. Right. And so you get that film of, of back, you know, back to the future colliding with quantum leap, or mm-hmm. um, or Doctor Who, Doctor, Doctor Who. Who, or uh, H. G. Wells' time machine, although that is now open that you could, but <clears throat> you know, just actually seeing those collisions happen because that would be a lot of fun too. Didn't
2: H. G. Wells though? You can only go forward. Uh. Or is it just he? It got stuck in forward.
1: I think it got stuck in forward because he eventually uh, he eventually came back and he's like, oh, I'm so sad. I want to. I want to see my, yeah, my I, Eloy, and then he vanishes. Because I and, thought in the book he
3: does go back a little bit, but not yeah. very far. And then, yeah, I think the the machine gets stuck in forward. And when he's finally Mike, able to wrestle the controls back, is when he's like. Was it two thousand or three thousand years in the future, something like that? A lot. It's like I, it's like, I, I think it's even more. Maybe even ten thousand years in the future. It, it's something it's like huge that.
1: because it's like, yeah, it's a major. He gets jump. covered in the lava and then yep. he waits for the lava to actually get worn away by time and stuff.
3: Because none of the movies really address everything that's in the book. I mean, the original H.G. Wells novel is far different. He
1: actually, and I mean,
2: some of the movies
3: do okay yeah. with it, but.
1: Yeah. Well they they also for some reason the movies really get caught up in the love story. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well I mean it's film. Yeah. Right. They yeah. want a selling yeah. point. Yeah. And
3: it's not even a big part of the novel. It's yeah. it's more of a kind of a
1: side thing. Yeah. You know. His side piece. <laughs> Eloy's side piece. I would um I'd actually thought of I mean You know, Barry was all like big on Ghostbusters. Yeah, he wanted everything that had a ghost (laughs) in it, like 15 ghosts. Yeah, so I was thinking, I was thinking of, you know, we could actually ruin a lot of Shakespeare. By having the Ghostbusters <laughs> show up, you know, just you know, Hamlet's the, Hamlet's yeah, yeah, father's exactly. ghost. Yeah. Ham, Hamlet is McBeth. walking around, and and, is they, and and Macbeth. Those are the two. Hey, I don't was worry, doing. buddy. We got this. That's right. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, right, right. Uh, no. Father! That's it. No, no play. It's avenge it's a, me, you avenge know. this. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. You know. So, and then, and then, of course, you know, uh, Matt. Matt just is like demands that I do a Conan. Oh, sure. Crossover of some type. But I didn't have a movie in mind. What I actually had is an actual kind of Marvel pitch I would one day make if I ever got to do a Marvel pitch. Because I always liked the, you know, John Buscema was one of my favorite comic artists, and he did Conan forever. He was kind of known as the Conan man. Um, And uh, I always liked the dynamic of his Conan, like going into battle, holding the sword up. And opposite that, the image I get a lot is uh, from the 1970s, when Marvel was doing some horror comics, an artist named Mike Plug did a, a rather what I feel is kind of definitive Marvel image of Frankenstein's monster. And so I have this image of Frankenstein's monster, and Conan actually like. I like it, colliding. And what would happen then? Because mm. you know Conan's the man, but the, the creature's the creature. So, so. And I recently watched a uh, a commentary, a Dark Corners review actually, of uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein, which is a, a uh,
4: classic crossover.
1: Classic crossover. It was done in the seventies on a nil budget uh forest j ackerman actually appeared in it wow um uh somebody's accountant played dracula <laughs> and ackerman <laughs> recommended that instead of using his normal name which was like paul allen or allen something uh, um zoltan varkov and um <laughs> it was it was a hideous it was a hideous movie but it was interesting cuz dracula Dracula actually beats Frankenstein just by ripping ripping his arms off. No, oh, There you go. And it's really funny because in the reviews they comment that everyone's pretty sure that's where the Monty Python folks got the uh, the night at the bridge scene. Okay, <clears throat> makes some sense. It's yes. just a
0: flesh wound.
1: Exactly. So it was really funny. Now
4: here you go, driving Miss Daisy and tremors. That's the combination. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's the that's the combination.
1: There you go. Yeah, and we could we could we if,
4: could. or 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 you could use critters crit, You can put critters oh, in and put critters that's true. Put critters in Goonies. Put crit critters in Schindler's List. Put critters in.
1: Yeah, that's true.
4: Debbie does Dallas. There you go.
1: Wow. Wow critter well you know there's always a chance you could catch critters
0: <laughs> I
1: mix mean, any
2: horror with porn and you've got a good movie probably there
1: well wow
2: <laughs> wow deb Dab, everybody Ooh,
1: yikes okay <laughs> there you go folks any horror with porn
4: by deb <laughs> Un film you know what de I, I
2: meant a movie that would sell doesn't mean I, it's going to be good. I think we oh,
4: call yeah. that full moon entertainment when it comes down to it. I
3: was going to say that's like every horror movie in the '80s, it's Charlie Band films through and through. <laughs> it's like gratuitous sex scene right here. <laughs> Let's build and a movie around yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, there's no reason for this sex scene right now, but okay, sure. It's just It's just the way it was in those movies. It's like, it's like here's the movie, here's the movie. Okay, awkward, weird sex scene. Rest of the movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's okay. was, it is, that was know, the formula Sex is weird and awkward, so why yeah, not That too yeah, Oh, that's, yeah. that's why we stayed up late and watched Cinemax Before you continue, Todd I'd yes. like to hearken back to our past Okay And do my Paul Mattingly impression Oh my And I have to take a shit The great
4: <laughs> Well, that can only bring us to news you don't give a shit about Oh, ah! God Why? Why? <laughs> And I want to thank Ozzy Matt for writing his uh, yearly Patreon email, which I guess we won't get anymore.
2: No, yeah, it's perfect timing. Right? Yeah. Spot on. Yeah.
4: You called it, Ozzie. Psychic. News you don't give a shit about. According to a new report from the Wall Street Journal, the recent legal battle between Marvel star Scarlett Johansson and Disney has forced negotiations between the Russo brothers and Disney to stall. This is reportedly over concerns how new films will be released, and how the directors will be paid, which are the issues at the heart of Johansson's lawsuit. This has led to, quote, an impasse in negotiations for them to direct another Marvel movie, unquote. All this has been left to the brothers... All of this also left the brothers unsure on how their next movie would be distributed and how they would be paid, unquote. Uh, No details were offered on what Marvel project the Russo brothers were eyeing to direct. Uh, The directing duo has been responsible for Marvel's top two highest grossing films to date, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Uh, Yeah, last week when I said that the whole Johansson and Disney coming together with the agreement is going to solve nothing, this is what I meant.
3: Yeah, there was a, an interesting article in the Hollywood Reporter right after um, your announcement last week that I was reading, and they said that what should happen is that the settlement with Johansson and Disney should be the framework for contracts going forward with the you know rise of streaming and multiple distribution channels for each project. However, it might take a couple of years to get it enacted all the way across the board there will be some people who have savvy agents that are going to demand to have that in the contract but it said disney should take the lead and say well look we learned from this we're now going to structure every contract to have this be a part of the initial negotiation with writer director actor etc but as we know with hollywood they don't always pick up things right away. Nope. They, a lot of times try to drag it out for a number of years.
4: <laughs> well, that's uh, keeping the Russo brothers from saying yes to their next picture. So that's uh, that's what we know of thus so far. News you don't give a shit about. An anonymous hacker stole and released data from Twitch, including account details, creator payouts, comment history, and its source code. The Amazon-owned streaming platform has publicly confirmed the breach. A total of 125 gigabytes of internal data was stolen, making this one of the biggest, if not the biggest, data leak of all time. After nearly eight hours since the news of the major privacy leak first broke, Twitch acknowledged the incident and said its teams were, quote, working with urgency to understand the extent of this breach, unquote. The data from Amazon's streaming service wound up in a post on 4chan where the unidentified user said the download was part one of the leak. Now, the good news is that Twitch has found, quote, no indication that login credentials have been exposed, unquote. Even still, users logging into the site today will be met with a pop-up asking them to change their passwords. Twitch additionally mentioned that no credit card info was stolen because, quote, full credit card numbers are not stored by Twitch, unquote. But st- uh, stream keys for streamers, however, were likely part of the leak, with Twitch resetting all stream keys out of an abundance of caution. So yeah, Twitch got uh, got smacked upside the head yesterday. Good, they deserve it. Uh, they've, uh. They they've had some bad decisions as of late, yeah. and they've been really slow to uh, to help some of the streamers that needed some help uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's, it's small
3: solace, but at least it's only 125 gigabytes because if it was 125 terabytes, that's when you'd start being uh, scared of what is being released out there. Sure. Or even petabytes and, you know, from there, because I mean, think of the amount of massive amounts of storage that Amazon has to have for that site because... You know not is it not only is it just streaming now they have a lot of uh, people that it's just a loop channel where it's you know they've got X number of hours of footage that just keeps repeat, you know repeating and then it's you know stored on their server so
4: yeah so this is an ongoing story so we'll, we'll keep an eye on it for the meantime in the meantime uh, if you have twitch and I know a lot of you do change your passwords yeah, if you haven't already I'm sure many of you already have news you don't give a shit about. Xbox boss Phil Spencer now says to expect Xbox Series X and S console shortages to continue through the rest of 2021 and into 2022. In an interview with The Wrap, Spencer says it isn't just the global chip shortage that's making it hard to keep retailers stocked with enough Xbox Series X and S consoles to keep up with demand. Quote, I think it's probably too isolated to talk about it as a just a chip problem, Spencer said. When I think about it, what it does mean... What it does mean to get the parts necessary to build a console today and get it to the markets where the demand is, there are multiple kind of pinch points in that process, and I think regretfully, it's going to be with us for months and months, definitely through the end of the calendar year and into the next calendar year, unquote. Since the dawn of the pandemic, chip shortages have bottleneck production across a few global industries, but in the gaming sector specifically, the issue has created a supply dearth affecting GPUs and consoles. Bloomberg reported this week that the chip supply shortage is what caused Nintendo to switch, uh, to, to switch, yeah, to release the switch OLED instead of the 4k capable switch pro. So
3: if you're waiting, wait longer. Yeah. I thought I had one this afternoon, uh, is that they, there was a a drop of, uh, amount of Xbox series X on the official Xbox website. And I got in. Tried to add it to my cart. Of course, does the little circle spinning thing, and then it Thinking. goes. Something went wrong. Please try again. Oh, so no. I did it. It did the same thing again. Refreshed, and then it says sold out. No, it actually said uh, you have reached. <laughs> it said <laughs> this is what cracked me up. It said my cart still listed as being empty, but it says you have reached the limit of uh, uh, quantity for this item. Uh-huh. And so I'm like. Maybe it went into my cart. So I tapped on the cart and then it said, page not found, refreshed, tap on the cart, page not found, went back, tried to add it in, please try again later, blah, blah, blah. After about five minutes of going forth, finally I got the cart page to load and there was one in the cart but listed as sold out. So I couldn't finish the purchase process. It's the way it's gonna be, it was the, the Halo uh special edition version. So,
1: well, dude, maybe you'll luck out and a month from now you're gonna get like three in the mail.
3: Oh, no, <laughs> but yeah, it once it's in your cart is sold out, it basically takes it away. So, whatever, it's fine.
5: You say scalpers and flippers are part of the problem, too. Oh, uh,
3: a big part of the problem, yeah, of course, yeah. it is. It's the same thing. problem with like graphics card supply right now. I mean, they were blaming crypto miners for a lot of it initially. Well,
4: that's what set up the increased demand to get the scalpers to get them.
3: But now that demand by crypto miners has kind of leveled off, you have a lot of people just sitting on the cards that they bought. And they're still trying to get four or five times, in some cases, 10 times what the retail price is but people aren't buying them because there's because they're not stupid. Yeah, number well that number one, but also there's enough of a you know, small supply being released at like Best Buy and online retailers like Newegg. So there's just enough at a time to keep the people that really want these cards happy because of the queue systems that they use, but these stupid Third-party resellers are just sitting on these supplies. They literally have multiple cards just sitting there, and nobody's buying them. So instead of you know trying to get like a maybe a fifty to hundred dollar profit off of each one, doing a small markup just so that they'll move, they're just sitting on them, hoping that somebody's going to pay you know twenty five hundred dollars for a card that retail, retails for nine ninety nine. It's like come on, nobody's going to do that. Anyway,
1: you can only hope that eventually the market collapses well, and those guys can't even sell it for a, a loss.
3: Yeah, even, the, even like the PS5 scalpers, I've been noticing that they're having trouble moving their inventory because some of them are only charging double the price. Only. Yeah, it, some of them were charging three and four times as well. But now, yeah. now even the ones that, that refuse to lower their price, you know, they've got it charged or charging double, you know, new in box, they're not moving. Because people are patiently waiting with all the different, like, Twitter feeds that top, talk about uh, when a certain supply is going to be dropped, either at Walmart or Target. Well, or, good, good. Fuck those guys. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah, exactly. Because they're the ones creating this artificial drought. Well, they're a big good part of it, I should say. They're not the only ones.
4: Yeah. And news you don't give a shit about. The live-action Super Mario Bros. movie from 1993 has clawed its way to the top of Amazon's sales chart oh my God. following the upcoming animated movie's casting reveal. As reported by Business Insider, the 1993 live-action Super Mario Brothers movie appeared at the top of Amazon's video sales chart, usurping recent blockbusters Fast and Furious 9 and Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, the Super Mario Bros. movie is ranked third behind F9 on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, that's still highly impressive for a 28-year-old very, very bad Video game adaptation My god If you haven't seen The 90's Mario movie Well Don't (laughs) The the Mario brothers Played by Bob Hoskins And John Leguizamo Live in a world Split into two dimensions By the meteor That killed all the dinosaurs 65 million years ago (laughs) Dennis Hopper plays Bowser But he's not called Bowser He's called King Koopa And he's a cross Between a T-Rex And a human And you, You know what Never mind Never mind Yeah We can geek <laughs> Yay!
3: I did get reminded of uh, somebody had posted a picture online of uh, from Jurassic World, Chris Pratt with Blue the the raptor that he uh, befriends. Oh, no! And they had, they 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 did a really good job of mapping a fairly realistic Mario hat on top of. <laughs> On top of chris pratt and it says new live action set reveal from the, uh, the new mario brothers movie of uh chris pratt as mario and yoshi i i thought that was pretty funny
1: i, I <laughs> thought you're gonna say king koopa i actually stumbled across uh, one of those cracked things where they you know or rancor where they talk about oh actors talk about this or people say that and it was actors who talked about stuff they regretted doing or the one thing they really hated. And Hoskins puts puts that there. Yeah. yeah. He just he was just very upset that he did that movie.
4: I don't think anybody who made that movie is happy with what they made. No. <laughs> A Wandavision spin off starring Cantra and Han is oh, in development at Disney Plus from Marvel Studios. Han would reprise the role of Agatha Harkness in the series, which is described by sources as a dark comedy, though exact plot details remain under wraps. WandaVision head writer Jack Schaefer would serve as the writer and executive producer on the project. Should the spin-off go forward, it would be the first project Schaefer has set up with Marvel since she signed an overall deal with them in the 20th century television in May. WandaVision aired earlier this year from January through March the show the first live-action Marvel series to debut on Disney Plus was met with widespread acclaim upon its debut it ultimately racked up 23 Emmy nominations including one for Han for best supporting actress in a limited series
1: Northwest alum
4: yeah you represent that's right
2: yeah I'd like to see the show I'm excited I liked her character she does a really great job
1: Especially if they use that to move into the Fantastic Four because yeah. she becomes Franklin's nanny and oh, well. so I'm
2: assuming is the so it's gonna take place after WandaVision or before Wandavision?
4: Exactly. We have no information on it. In fact, Disney's still keeping this under wraps. Uh, the only reason I didn't put this in rumor category is because variety reported on this. Right. So yes. they're
2: they've heard it from an actual reputable source. Right.
4: Away. So but Disney, everyone involved is still staying mum about it. Not even saying that it's happening. So,
3: yeah, and it's not like Variety is never wrong, but usually if they're publishing it, they've got more than one source confirming it. Yeah, Variety and Hollywood Reporter are usually pretty good about verifying before they ever publish their article. They're not like a lot of other. You mean the.
1: The real journalistic sources? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. It's weird, <laughs> right? I, I don't know. How that
2: happen? Not the, not the image on Facebook that says, but if you look at the website, it says I love teddy bears.com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: we
1: got it covered. Giant freaking robot. Right. Ugh.
3: I hate giant freaking robot. Uh, and cosmic book. Uh, was it cosmic book? Resources or whatever yeah. that's trying to.
1: Cosmic book resources. Bounding yeah. into the, comics. Yeah, they're, they're,
3: they're one that tried to play off a comic, like yeah. off of CBR. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. every time that pops up, I'm like, God damn it, I said don't show me yeah. articles from this <laughs> yeah, site. Know. You
4: know, for you hating them so much, you bring them up on the show a lot.
3: That's right. It's because it keeps popping. I try to filter the ones that I <laughs> so know are bad sources.
2: What they're doing is working.
3: And, it's and working. It's funny because when I use my, my Google News Feed, it allows me to filter out, you know, it's either, I can either filter out articles based on what I'm seeing or from sites sure. that I don't wanna see articles from anymore. And I usually cut
0: right.
4: that one out and occasionally I still get one that pops through. But you, you keep bringing it up how much you hate them and just like Dungeons and Dragons of the Satanic Panic, you're gonna cause it to go through the roof. Damn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
3: It's all my fault.
1: Yeah, I see Jake Godbold right now clicking on those links.
4: (laughs) (laughs) William Shatner confirmed Monday that the 90-year-old Star Trek veteran will become the oldest person in history to blast off into the atmosphere. Shatner is poised to dethrone Wally Funk as the oldest human space traveler, less than three months after the 82-year-old Funk set the record in Blue Origin's first human space flight that took place over the summer. The New Shepard NS-18 launch is scheduled for next Tuesday. That's October 12th will include Audrey Powers, that's Blue Origin's VP of Mission and Flight Operations, and a pair of crewmates, Chris Pogine and Glenn DeVries. Quote, William Shatner's going into space? My man! I guess this means I have to become a marine biologist, tweeted Jason Alexander in a reference to his Seinfeld character, George Costanza. Tr- uh, Shatner quoted the tweet, writing, It's never too late to experience new things, my friend. Unquote. Aww. See, I
2: mean, I think it's cool, but... Isn't everybody worried he's gonna die trying to get to space because he's (laughs) in his (laughs) nineties? He's (laughs) ninety.
3: Yeah. He's lived an amazing life. Have you seen
2: that guy? I know. I get that, but like
3: because I think he I think he approaches it as like you know what the hell it's like what what more is there left for me to do career wise. And
2: let's
4: face it. Is there really a better way for him to go? Yeah. I mean, I guess I mean, if if he's going to go, go in space. Well, it's on the 12th, right? (laughs) Yeah. So by the time we do the next show.
2: Well, no.
1: If it exploded on the pad, we can all turn to Deb and go, nice
2: job, Deb. (laughs) See, I'm more worried about him having a heart attack or something because, you know, the pressure. I can't hear you. So I'm more worried about him having a heart attack or something because of the pressure of trying to leave Earth's atmosphere.
5: They got suits for that
2: hmm. I mean, <laughs> haven't you ever been on one of those rides where it spins yeah, yeah, you so fast and the floor drops and you the, can barely breathe?
3: The g forces at launch typically don't exce- <laughs> exceed saying, about three G's, so he,
1: he should be fine. Are, are but,
4: you saying put, put him on the Gravitron? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, put really. Shadner on a Gravitron <laughs> and film that, that.
1: Isn't that what, the, what that, <laughs> that ship is? It's a giant cannon that just. <laughs> Shoots people into orbit What was the one I saw online
3: It's like something about uh, uh, So and so your record is about to be (laughs) Shatnered Yes
5: That's hilarious When he gets up there I better say like Second star to the left straight on till morning
2: That's Peter Pan
3: Well but he also says it at the end of Star Trek 6
2: From Peter Pan Yeah (laughs) (laughs) But he still says it (laughs) He stole it. Neither of
3: he
4: you are it. wrong. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, I still want to see Shatner on the gravitron. <laughs> I or do too. Scream Con. There you go. Let me go there. Just... Actually, I would watch that. A... Would be cool. Actually, I would watch a whole series of Shatner riding carnival rides. That's what I want to watch.
3: Oh my God! Watch yes. him ride
4: the Orbiter. Watch him ride the Himalaya. The Fireball. I want to see it all. <laughs>
3: Oh my God! Shatner rides. That's that's a brilliant series. That's right there. the title right there. Shatner that,
1: rides. That, that, that's
4: that's that's record I mean, viewing. Right? Yeah. We're going to break streaming right. services. So yeah, Cros- crossover with Debbie does Dallas. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> wow,
1: wow, that's that, awesome. That went
4: Deb really fast.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the second time this show you've brought that up.
4: Apparently, you're doing Dallas. <laughs> you know what? I just made the connection just now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but but we don't call you Debbie so No, but mean, I've gone
2: by Debbie in no. my life. Wow. Just not All right, fine. Not right now. Fine,
4: the devil Miss Jones. All right. <laughs> well, and
1: and it was Deb does Houston.
4: <laughs> yes, <laughs> With a right. little little Deb does Austin.
1: And then back to Houston. <laughs> now she's doing nothing. Cuz he's, you know, fucking bored out of a skull making websites and shit. <laughs>
4: Anyway, yes, Todd, Sony's Let There Be Carnage, opened to an impressive $90.1 million in North America this last weekend, setting another theatrical milestone in the age of COVID-19. It's also the second best October debut in history after 2019's Joker. The Venom sequel, directed by Andy Serkis, is officially unseated Marvel Cinematic Universe's Juggernauts Black Widow and Shang-Chi for the largest domestic box office debut of the pandemic. Of course, it's very possible that Marvel Studios will retake the heavyweight belt next month when Chloe Zhao's Eternals drops on Friday, November 5th. If that occurs, however, Sony will still have a shot at redemption with Spider-Man No Way Home, which swings into theaters Friday, December 17th. So Let There Be Carnage proves that A, pre-pandemic ticket sales are not an obsolete relic from the past, and B, we may very well see the return of 100 million-plus North American openings in the not-so-distant future. No Time to Die hit 54 international markets over the weekend to the tune of 119.1 million, the first major film of the health crisis to break 100 million at launch without a boost from China. The 25th James Bond movie, which marks Daniel Craig's final outing as 007, will hit North America screens as this episode airs. Uh, Warner Brothers' Dune surpassed 100 million internationally two weeks before it's slated to arrive in the U.S., where it will play in theaters and HBO Max starting Friday, October 22nd. And we can't get one
1: fucking Star Wars movie a year.
4: <laughs> they got cold feet. What's what's what kills me is that Solo didn't do bad.
2: No. no it uh, didn't. It,
4: it just underperformed what they wanted it to be. Right. Yeah. It didn't break I, the billion dollars. I
2: enjoyed that film. Yeah. I appreciated that movie.
4: It's very good. So it's yeah, I think Disney <laughs> listened to bad fanboys. Yes, they did. And got
2: cold feet. Hey. Oh, oh, oh fuck.
4: <laughs> I was wondering why you two were looking at each other and giggling <laughs> I didn't even do it for that reason but you know it's true you know it's true
1: the once they fire Kathleen Kennedy then will get it every year yeah and they'll be good
4: Will they be good Oh,
1: they'll be great they'll take the expanded universe and make it expanded again and then
4: expand it into the movies yeah what, what would you want most for the expanded universe?
1: I don't know. I haven't read any of them.
5: <laughs> holiday special part two.
4: <laughs> holiday special part two. I would watch that. Life days every year, fuckers. They did
2: fuckers. a Lego holiday special last year for Star Wars.
4: That one was actually pretty good. I that, guess was it was. that was cute. That
2: was cute.
3: Isn't like the
4: Halloween special out there now?
2: Yeah. Well, we tried watching it. And Matt's like, I can't watch this. This is for kids. It's like.
3: <laughs> It's, yeah, it's like Scary Tales or something like that. Star Wars yeah. Scary Tales. I forget the, the exact title. And you couldn't watch it? Uh, wasn't
5: grabbing me.
1: Well, you couldn't even bring that up? I tried to watch Lego Scary Tales, and it wasn't grabbing me. i just dead. <laughs> <laughs> so there.
4: I, I, yeah, he got me. Damn. The Boys. Amazon show about superpowered individuals who aren't superheroes. Vought corporate markets them to be, officially has a spin-off series in the works. We've known about the show, which focuses on the only college in America for superheroes, we now have a confirmation that Sony Pictures Television will officially make its way to Amazon Prime Video at some point in the future, and that the WGA Award nominees Michael Frazekas and Tara Butters, who did Agent Carter and Law and & SVU, will serve as showrunners. Uh, the Boys showrunner, Eric Kripke, also shared his excitement about the new spinoff show officially getting picked up. Quote, much like Mork and Mindy spun off in the Happy Days, which is an insane and true fact, our yep. spinoff will exist in the Vought Cinematic Universe, yet will have a tone and style all of its own, he said in the statement. So if you like the Boys, you're getting more of the Boys. like the Boys.
2: The boys is When's the next season coming out? It should be soon, isn't should it? It should be soon, it? Yeah, should Yeah, they've be already soon.
3: wrapped production, so... Or I should say filming. Yep. Uh, so it should be, I don't know, by the end of the
4: year, maybe? I'm excited. I hope it's the dog. <laughs> the innovators at Disney Parks are working on the latest in park technology sentient robots that interact with parkgoers. Here's the start Uh-oh. of it. Uh-oh. These new, it new robots are designed to interact with mm-hmm. guests at the park where they can talk, emote, and respond to your behavior.
2: Disney's creating Skynet.
4: Yeah. Disney is already implementing this technology at their Avengers Mm -hmm. campus, where the ride Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure, features a stuntronic robot in the Spidey suit that performs aerial tricks. It's kind of cool. I saw it. Described as 95 pounds of microprocessors, 3D-printed plastic, gyroscopes, accelerometers, aluminum, and other materials, the robot will soon be added to a Web Slingers ride at Disneyland Paris. Disney has said that they have no plans to phase out their human performers who currently roam the park for oh, photos wow. and autograph oh, signings, wow. but they're hoping to use these robots o- over and under. F- they're hoping to use these robots for over and undersized characters like the Incredible Hulk, Baby Yoda, Groot, and more. The Imagineers are also testing human-operated exoskeletons for these oversized characters as well.
5: Iron Man. That's how it starts.
1: All right. That's how it starts, <laughs> skynet i I hope yeah.
4: Skynet happens
1: because uh, you know, having worked in that kind of job, I want some of these people to fucking die <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, but it won't stop there.
2: no.
4: That's where it begins, K. And then we're going
2: to be in the Matrix, okay? We're all going to be in pods, powering the the world for the robots. Right. I'm fucking
4: She's, fine with that. I know that's she, fine. Do you that.
1: You just didn't say anything bad. There. Yeah, you <laughs> just stick stick my brain in there and did, give me the didn't steak. Did you see Joey Pants <laughs> eating that my steak? Going, mm, that this isn't real. This is good steak.
4: Right? Exactly. I don't care. Plug, I want to be rich. Plug me into Powerful. the goddamn Matrix, the first yeah. one, not the messed up one they did second.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: What about the new one that's coming
4: out? Uh, that's part of the rejected matrix. I want that first one that why, humanity why? rejected. Oh, you want that? Yeah, yeah.
1: but whole, I'm not going to reject it. Yeah, but whole crops were lost.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you <laughs> might be part of, part of the. Cro- I would Yeah, but You, you might but end up
1: being one of the crops lost.
4: No, because I wouldn't reject that. I would revel in it.
2: You want a utopia? No, no,
1: no. You wouldn't, because that's right. Yeah. It was. It, it was, was a, a utopia they rejected it because it was perfect
2: right, right. You, and, it, and you would hate that came. you lying <laughs> sack of shit Mr. Chaos over here you lying sack of shit you would hate that you're right you right, would right. be the perfect first perfect turns reject. into like dictatorship almost where it's like thou shall do your life this way and every single day and you must wake up at this time and you must eat at this time and so that everybody does everything at the same time and everything's perfect that sounds awful yeah. yes
4: yeah. I reject go. that there you go yeah Fine, I'll yeah. take the second Matrix. As long as I get the steak.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just All I really buy. want is a good steak. I just want to fly. I want a world where we can have superpowers.
1: I want a world where... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. New song,
4: Todd. Yeah. Can you do it as a meatwad? <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: I want a new world
4: I can't do so- Cosby
1: no. <laughs> what was that I that wasn't even no, no. <laughs> the
0: Cos that- wants a new there, world the
1: Cosby yeah. was pushing really hard and- for- well yeah that <laughs> was me about 10 minutes ago yeah I was <laughs> pushing <laughs> hard in the toilet <laughs> so in, that in the was. bathroom so. <laughs> I <was gonna> <laughs>
4: <laughs> and final, Russell T. Davies, the writer and producer who revitalized Doctor Who in 2000, is heading back to yeah, the I show. I
2: heard this. I'm excited.
4: The BBC confirmed that after more than a decade away from the series, he helped to revive Davies' will return to Doctor Who in 2023, the 60th anniversary of the classic series, to once again serve as a showrunner. Davies replaces the outgoing writer and producer Chris Chib- Is it Chibnall, who joined the series alongside 13th Doctor Jodie Whittaker in 2018. Both Chibnall and Whittaker announced earlier this year that they'd be departing the series after a string of specials in 2022 to finish out the 13th Doctor's journey, clearing the way for a new creative team to move in.
2: Yeah, when he was leading before, those were some of the best storylines, and then it very quickly just kind of went... I mean, I haven't watched Doctor Who now in a couple of Doctors, at least. It's been years, and I used to love that show. Yeah.
3: I mean... I've enjoyed what Jodie Whittaker
1: has done so far,
3: but I also feel like there's so much more they
1: could be doing.
2: It's the writing, so I'm saying. No, it's that right. was
1: part of what I heard. I, some people were like, it's too bad she's leaving, but then again, they yeah. feel right. the fans feel even that she wasn't served. Yeah, right. I, I feel
3: like the material that she was getting wasn't quite up to mm-hmm. par. And it's not that the episodes are bad per se. It's that they're just okay. You know, Some, some of them have been good, but they don't feel like they were up to the level of writing that you had with some of the previous doctors and and you know some of the man babies are blaming Jody Whitaker and I'm like no. no her performance is spot on for the material that she's been given and in fact I think she is doing a much better job with the material than Capaldi you could you could expect given yeah. the the writing <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, didn't, you
3: didn't like Capaldi?
2: No, I did. I it's say I uh, same problem. Like the problem I've had with that show the last couple of seasons is the writing. It's yeah. not the actors. The actors are doing their best and I appreciate the performances they are giving. It's the writing.
3: Capaldi had some really good moments as the doctor, but like, it's felt like the episodes in between w- didn't serve an actor of his quality. Right. And so I, like, I think it's the same thing with, with yeah, Jody Whitaker too.
1: Well, it'd be interesting to see where they go. Then,
0: I think that should have a baby.
1: The next Doctor Who should be a baby. You just come out of there and just be like, "Yeah,
4: <laughs> fuck
1: you, saving man." <laughs>
4: <laughs> you, you, you can't see it, but I want to describe the visual shock monkey so you can just just take it in and and, and take the imagination, the screen of your mind, the moment that Jeff says the word "man babies." <laughs> Kirsten and Matt just look at each other, bright-eyed, yeah. open-mouthed, <laughs> and just as happy as can be. It lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> yes, they did.
1: We sure did. It was yeah, awesome. That's right. <laughs> Man, baby, Doctor Who, Doctor Man, baby. <laughs> Jesus. Wait,
5: you remember the listeners don't like us, but you being drunk with big Oh, yeah, you're stuff, right. That's like Doctor Who
4: writing fireball. You give them lots of fireball. Yeah, have back yet. What the hell was what? that? I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> they don't like... Man babies don't like new members, Jeff. <laughs> Have you learned that now? <laughs> after, after kicking Biggs' ass the last time you
1: <laughs> <he> tried it? It's <laughs> <to seven. laughs> <laughs> Stuff going on. What's going on?
4: What's your man baby? Write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. We believe Matt and Deb, and we'll talk to you right after this. What's going in my mouth?
2: <laughs> There's okay. so much new things on this
4: podcast. I almost <laughs> forgot it. That's
3: okay. You can always like cut this out and put it at the beginning, right?
4: Nope. And so
1: <laughs> more <laughs> editing. You could just edit more, right?
4: Yeah. Is that pussy can... juice. <laughs> what? What is this? <laughs> this was sent to us by Pat Spurl. Uh, on the moniker of the name alone, this is an energy drink. Oh God. Called uh, what's it called? There Matt? Pussy Natural oh. Energy <laughs> Deb is thrilled.
5: <laughs> Natural ingredients. But Oh, Pussy.
3: there's one for each of us.
4: There is. Plus one for you to keep in your fridge for your friends.
2: <laughs> Jeff, I don't know if I should have huh? this right now. It says high caffeine content. Oh
3: my! How well, is it I always drink? wind up being the one to
2: well, well, Deb, hang on Deb. to all
3: of everybody else's discarded Deb, garbage. You don't
1: have to the whole thing, just the
3: tip. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I will tell wait.
1: you what, I'll, that, I'll, I'll put a
5: little
3: I in a glass and you that, and that, just share it because I can't drink the whole thing with the. I just
4: opened my pussy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. The, the moment the moment oh, I, I opened the box and, and saw the name, I'm like, this segment I'm kinda glad it's at the end.
5: <laughs> do, you, do you just want to split this one,
2: everybody?
4: Why? So we can keep the rest of them in, in, in pristine condition for yeah, Jeff's really. Fridge?
1: Exactly. <laughs>
2: produced it's a, 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 in oh. the Netherlands.
4: It's produced Ooh. in the Netherlands. Leave it to yes. the Dutch to put pussy in a can. One hundred percent natural ingredients. What does that mean?
2: Sparkling <laughs> passion fruit and l- lychee? Lychee? Lychee. Lychee? Yeah. Lychee. lychee flavored energy drink. Now, here's here's the
3: thing lychee or lychee are both acceptable pronunciations. I
4: bet you didn't know that. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, and, wow. Hey,
2: and it's good until 2028.
4: Oh, there you go. That's See, some Jeff, you'll have pussy. it forever. Jeez. <laughs> I think it smells pretty darn good. It's fed very uh, tropically. Well, yours is yeah.
3: douche His hasn't. <laughs> so,
5: uh.
2: It
1: has a uh, a pleasant bouquet. It smells
2: like grapefruit. <laughs> it smells like grapefruit I too. I can.
1: You know what? The thing is, Jeff. I can totally see you on a date, just <laughs> settling down and just being like, "Ooh."
2: Or how about you go to yeah. a bar? I like some pussy, please. Yeah. And j- j- just 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 And the bartender at looks at you and looks at your date. <laughs> No, the drink. Yes. dude.
1: Looking up between the thighs and being, hmm, yeah, flaccid, yet totally <laughs> articulate. <laughs> uh. Wow, you didn't like that, did you? <laughs> Look at
5: his face, everybody. Here goes. All right. All right here we go.
4: Here we go, Pat. <sighs> oh, Huh. It has a floral ending. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like a
2: perfume. Yes.
5: Not bad actually.
3: Wow.
4: Yeah. It's not no. horrible. No. And
3: it's not like over caffeinated or over carbonated rather, no, like no, some of no. the energy drinks. It's yeah. very uh very subtle.
4: Oh my goodness!
1: It's very subtle. It's very floral. Can, it it is, is very floral. Yeah, very floral. The, the, yeah,
4: the aftertaste is like when you go to one of those those cute boutiques where they just sell beautiful jewelry <laughs> or, and, and handcrafted. Or things. your
2: grandmother who was wearing too much yeah. perfume Whoa. that day. I didn't need that, Deb. We're wow. drinking a drink called wow. Pussy Drink, and you
1: put grandmother in there. <laughs> what the? God Almighty, woman!
2: Oh. Yeah. You're welcome.
3: <laughs> it kind of reminds me like if you ever had like a, a jasmine green tea and then like you just get that hint of that floral flavor at the end. That's what it's reminding of, that aftertaste.
4: You know what it reminds me of? What? Jasmine. Stripper over it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the orchid? Orchid or whatever. Uh, thank you, Pat. It's very tasty. It, it, is. Actually, it, it is. actually is.
1: I, like Deb, I can't. Do an energy drink because uh, yeah that, that that's right. too much caffeine for me
3: well and with my high blood pressure it exactly is, yeah, exactly not a good thing but uh um,
1: but
4: lisa yeah. tasted it thank you for sending us something both tasty and foul at the same yes. time
1: yes really yes I'm giving us something to talk about and uh, and I, and 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 barry to masturbate too <laughs> <laughs> and
2: and the font on the can is very like almost it's, it's very classy yeah i would say uh, well <laughs> I would say it's kind of douchey looking. <laughs> but, um,
3: there's, there's where you edit in the rim shot there, uh, Todd.
1: That was that was a great that was a great first time introducing your girlfriend to Deb moment. <laughs> <laughs> She's classy, isn't she? Um,
3: <laughs> if, if Biggs were here, he'd be struggling to load his like soundboard. Like,
0: wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm turning him down. All right. <laughs> um, I,
4: I will say most of these energy drinks that have, you know, we, we've seen many of those where they just it's the same drink on the inside but they have a different yeah. can on the outside. Yeah. One's with Stewie, one's with the Simpsons, yep. whatever. This is the first time I see one of these that actually has its own flavor.
0: Yeah.
3: And it's clear, too. It's not that urine yellow that you usually get with <laughs> the energy drinks.
1: What is that? What I established don't Established urine yellow as <laughs> zippity-doo-dah, wang-dang. Mountain Dew.
3: Up. And it's and it's weird the same color going into your body as it is yes. coming out of your and body. It's just,
1: but it, but it, it, it's like the industry standard. Yeah. That's the color it's got to be.
3: don't know why it was that way. Wow.
4: And here we just have clear pussy. <laughs> Thank you, Pat, for sending it to <laughs> yes. us. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek.
1: Yay! <laughs> like and pussy and I, I don't even know what that stuff. It kind of disgusts me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this cat and candy
0: pussy. I'll tell you what.
3: Todd seems to really like that pussy
4: over No, there. I'm gonna need the energy when I edit this bullshit <laughs> later on. <laughs>